Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM. Wish they'd make up their mind. One day they're saying that uh, the budget's going to be bad for people on pensions and for OAPs. And then, of course, three or four days later, of course, that's off the table. And it's good news. So we get budget bonanza back in the front page of the Indo today for the elderly, particularly as pensions uh, and fuel grants are, are set to rise. Energy costs gone through the roof, of course. Uh, so the government's done what they call a big intervention now with regarding increasing uh, fuel prices. So they're increasing and extending fuel grants as well. So that's the front of the independent. They're also preparing for a wave of redundancies in Ireland, apparently. Why? Well, they figure that there'll be a wave of redundancies in the coming months as the emergency COVID protection payments are lifted. And that's a story that makes the front page of the examiner this morning. Wave of job losses in the coming months. And if that wasn't enough negativity and depressing news stories, uh, hospitals are starting to cripple. That's a word that's actually used on the front of the examiner this morning. Hospitals crippled by numbers on trolleys. Very bad at the CUH in Cork. Not a whole lot better at the Mercy. Uh, and no emergency plans agreed to cope with an expected surge in demand this winter. And nurses uh, who would know best are warning that there's bad stuff to come and uh, be prepared for it. Would you believe that in spite of the uh, devastating cyber attack on the HSE, they are still using Windows 7, an obsolete system on 30,000 computers within the HSE, six months after the attack, which I'm told could have cost the Irish state north of 100 million euro. It would have been cheaper to pay. I'm not suggesting they should have, but it certainly would have been cheaper. So the out-of-date PCs are potentially vulnerable, to say the least, according to IT experts. I mean, it could just all happen again. Um, papers also talk today of issues involving money in our courts. There's a few different court cases that are uh, quite interesting. One is a, a Cork woman uh, from Beaumont in, in the uh, south side who um, has been jailed now for 18 months because over a period of time from 2013, while living in the UK and travelling back and forth uh, to Cork, she claimed 69 grand in carer's allowance from binding her mother when she was living in the UK. So Mary O'Callaghan makes the papers today. Um, there was uh, some um, apparently criticism and talk in court about travelling back and forth to Barbados, to Cork, but also going on holidays to Barbados and Morocco. Um, her defence team said that going to Barbados was not a holiday, or as they called it, a jolly. It was actually going to a funeral. Uh, but either way, in court yesterday, 18 months uh, jail. It, it's interesting how you get different sentences for different things in this country that, yeah, of course, it's all wrong and nobody should be fraudulent in claiming anything. But getting 18 months, of course, is the jail term for that, but yet a fellow can get an 18-month suspended sentence for the horrific attack on his partner down in West Cork uh, and not go to jail for it. Now, I do accept that he, he did have some time spent, but in other jurisdictions and other countries, that fellow would be cool, cool in his heel for five to ten years. Then uh, down in Kinsale, there's a fellow who was supplying cannabis to 35 people on a weekly basis, uh, and he got jail. He got three years jail with 18 months suspended, and that's a story from The Echo today. And then there's another one with regards to... Um, I suppose maintenance and marital breakdown that makes the examiner, where a judge was told that a man is alleged to have been feeding his children, or at least, well, he fed his children meat to get back at his vegetarian wife after they split up. Uh, that's an interesting one where more and more you see in the paper, papers these days um, marital 
um, breakdowns being discussed. Um, obviously, people's names and anonymity is protected, but we we get to read an awful lot more of it in the papers these days. And on the on the on the more plus side, we were talking yesterday with Owen Corey uh, about America now open to travellers and holiday goers, but more importantly to families who want to reunite. I think that's the most important aspect of all of that. But According to the Mirror today, phones at Irish travel agents have been ringing off the hook, which is good news, really, because um, it's nice to hear that people actually call travel agents, which is a great thing. An awful lot of people tend to do online booking. So Irish travel agents back uh, buzzing and very busy. Phones ringing off the hook after the news of the ban on the European uh, countries entering the USA is to be lifted uh, by uh, November. But, um, you know, as you look down the track across November and December, more and more warnings uh, making the papers today, um, uh, particularly from the likes of Smith's Toys and Pennies and Ikea. They make the red tops because they're telling people to, um, you know, shop for your gifts now or you'll be disappointed at Christmas time. It's a bit like um, Peter and the Wolf, you know. You don't know whether to believe them. You don't know whether it's marketing or advertising or you don't know whether whether it's truthful. But if you were to if you were to listen to, um, you know, truckers and people that are involved in, you know, shipping in and out of the country, you probably would say, yeah, maybe I should be covering um, my... Uh, my bets at this stage because there's one of the stories talks today of container shortages, lack of truck drivers, COVID-induced log jams at all of the Asian ports where a lot of things that we buy come from, including toys and everything we need for the home and clothing and everything like that, furniture, everything. Uh, the Suez Canal blockage, Brexit, all sorts of things have created a perfect storm that is really battering, they say, battering the global uh, supply chain. And on that basis, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea to be at least planning something. I mean, not everybody can afford to, and they're still saving and what have you, but it could be difficult. I have an email actually from somebody who said they've even seen prices go up in the last couple of weeks in toy shops. So more of that a little later on. Michal Martin said that he understands why Michael D didn't go north of the border. There was, I think, a lot of healthy debate over that, public debate over the decision of the teacher, of the, of the president not to go uh, to the 100th uh, um, anniversary, you can call it a celebration, commemoration, but having your, whatever you have in yourself. I personally think that Michael D was right not to go. Michal is saying that he would consider an invite, though. Uh, while he understands why the president couldn't go, he thinks that maybe he might be able to go. One person who is going is the chief super, Barry McPolin. He was at his last Cork City Joint Policing Committee yesterday, and he's going to join the board of the Sexual Violence Centre. He was invited to join the board yesterday by the one and only Mary Crilly. And he accepted. But the chief super, after I think something like 38 years a coppering, um, he uh, retires next month and he'll be sadly, sadly missed. He was always very amenable, always very approachable and always at the end of a phone if you ever had a query. And I wish him well. He's a good guy. Um, papers also this morning say this is, a, this is incredible. If you want an example of how festivals and tourism actually works, check out the mirror this morning where they say almost all of Cork City's hotels are completely booked up for the Saturday night of the Jazz Weekend. That's clearly not us, right? Living here, we're not booking into the hotels, so clearly people are coming into Cork from other other places, and they're booking into the hotels. And they also say in the mirror that it'll be the first time in 556 days that the bars and restaurants and cafes on Leaside will be able to open into the early hours. So all that and lots more besides. I mean, 
you just couldn't count the amount of gigs that have been announced for Cork or for Dublin and across Ireland. And indeed, if you win the lotto tonight, you won't have a worry in the world. It's um, an estimated 17 million, the highest jackpot ever. And I say they say that Ireland is in the grip of lotto fever. So if you're not in, you can't win. And if you're across the border in Kerry and you're a guard, apparently an email has gone to officers in the kingdom. Uh, I don't know. I suppose all officers got it. Uh, not to be coming to work like ZZ cops, as opposed to ZZ tops. They're being told um, that do not turn up for duty with designer stubble or unkempt, overly long or not neatly trimmed beards. I think I can remember a day when there was no beards allowed in the guards. I think you're allowed them now, but they have to be tidy, right? But no designer stubble in the kingdom. The Neil Prenderville Show. I can't imagine what the big deal is. Anyway, lines open at one 850 You can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone and get in touch, which is exactly what Stephen did. He started up by text, but he's on the air now. Stephen, good morning. Neil, how are things? I'm good. Um, listen, fair play to you for your, your intervention. Um, and thanks for getting in touch. This is last Saturday night into Sunday morning, I think, was it? Yeah, you're right, yeah. yeah. Well, what did you I was see? Just, I was on the way home yeah. and um, I stopped into Circle K just to get um, just to get something inside in the shop. And um, I could hear shouting and roaring coming from the bus stop. And you know now, as it is, you, you, you kind of, you can't help but look. Um and I saw a man holding <clears throat> what seemed to be in his 30s, mid-30s, holding a child two to three years of age. And he, it looked like he was having an argument with his partner. Um, so I put myself into the car and I kind of kept an eye on it for a bit because I saw that he was very aggressive, you know. Yeah, and um, yeah, yeah. he made his way towards his partner and he, and he caught her by the head and, and smashed it against the bus stop. Yes. And I was kind of looking in oh disbelief, kind of going, oh my God, am I just have to see this? So I didn't go anywhere for a while because I said, if he goes near her again, I'm going to go over. And he was still roaring and shouting. So I got into the car and I made my way over. And thankfully, as I was making my way over, he had actually waved down a taxi and he wouldn't leave the woman into the taxi. And it kind of delayed him a bit, which was great because in the meantime, um, a patrol car just passed and I blew the horn and I waved down the patrol car and told him what had happened. And they kind of took over from there. Um, but like, I've like, do you know you were, you were on about it there yesterday about, you know, how, how violent the city's got. And I will again in a minute. I'll be sharing some more yeah. stories, yeah. yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be someone that, that's in the city a lot. Um, I'm from Rackcormick myself, um, so I wouldn't open the city a lot at all, really. Yeah. Um, but gee, I just couldn't believe my eyes when I seen it, like, you know, but it, it just goes to show that, you know, it, things are, it is taking a slippery slope, I think, above there. Because it's kind of worrying that you'd even have a two-year-old child out at half past one in the morning standing I, in the bus that's, shelter. That's what I was, uh, yeah, that's what I was kind of, well, I was concerned for the woman, but the, the poor child as well, like, you know, and I didn't know, like, thankfully the guards passed, because if she did get into the taxi, I don't know, would I, would I follow the taxi and try to ring the guards and see where they're going or what? I and what happened? I mean, was she, okay, so... You saw them arguing. He was very aggressive, roaring and swearing and shouting. And then yeah. he made a lunge at her, did he? Yeah, he he basically, all I heard him say, he roared out, um, will you organise a taxi, you useless so-and-so. And he caught her head and he smashed it against the bus stop. <sighs> and that's when I was like, God above right. I, I was with my, my brother and my, imagine my father. Imagine living with him. Stuff. Imagine living with I him. I know. Yeah, I know. So... 
I kept an eye on it then and I was thinking I can't go over my own because uh, he, he seemed extremely aggravated and he wasn't a small fella either by any means so I got into the car and I, I, I brought the car over towards him and I said if it gets any worse I'm going to jump out he waved down a taxi and in the meantime then um, he actually wouldn't leave her into the taxi Is he trying to get in on his own with the child or something? He, he, got, it, he got in on his own with the child and he closed the door like he very nearly caught the woman's door or she very nearly caught the woman's hand in the door because she tried to get in and he slammed it on her wouldn't leave her in and luckily enough just as she had opened the door to get into the taxi um, a patrol car came from uh, came from Douglas and I blew the horn and just waved her yeah. Did you chat with the guards? The Did you tell him that you saw him assault her? I, I told him, yeah, I told him that I'd just witnessed him assaulting a woman and there was a child involved and they said that we did look after it from there. They pulled in in front of the taxi and I was told to move off. I, I left in and I just did one loop around just to see what was happening. And um, Would it not be normal if you say something like that to a guard that you witnessed an assault that they would ask I you to wait want... at a distance and get your details, no? Uh, yeah, I'll get some kind of um, a statement or something. Yes. They, they told me to move off. And I did one more loop because I just wanted to make sure like they actually were doing something that it wasn't just kind of they checked in and everything was fine and they let them go. But in fairness, they had the two of them out of the car, they had the child back with the woman and they had them both separated. What happened after that, I have no idea. Are you following the Gabby Petito story at all, I wonder? In Wyoming? The, yes, the girl, the girl in Wyoming, yeah. She was murdered, yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm. That just yeah. came into my head when you were chatting yeah. there. Um, uh, yeah. They, they have confirmed now that the body found in Wyoming is Gabby Petito uh, yeah. and they're looking they're the front he's on the he's on the can't find him he's on the run yeah yeah. 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 they can't find him Brian Landry do you see any Landry do you see any of the video footage of that when she was stopped by uh, uh, the uh, county police that's right she was crying she was in an office state yeah oh. she only seen a bit of it this morning oh, yeah. I thought that yeah. was absolutely heartbreaking um, yeah. he, he is yeah. now a person of interest in the, in the case, apparently. They've searched yeah. his parents' home and everything. There's a massive search yeah. on for this fellow now. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's just that he is very aggressive to her, you know, and uh, somebody yeah. driving their car at the time uh, saw him shouting and roaring and slapping her in the car. Do you see similarities yeah. to what you're describing? Yeah, I know. Sure, like, God only knows what's going on behind closed doors. Well, there, that's you know. just it. And also, I feel awful for the poor girl involved whom he the assaulted. Child. But the, the child the mm. child is is aware of all of this, you know, at that age. That yeah. child is aware of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, I, I was, it was awful. I was absolutely shocked now. I couldn't believe I was after seeing what I, what I witnessed. Like, I just... You know, like I, I, I've seen, like I've seen scuffles in this. I've seen things when I've been out nights and things, but I've never seen a man hit a woman before. I was like, oh, now I'm you old. said in your text, I don't know if drink and drugs were involved. Not that it no. should matter, but he, he you no. know, you know. But like, look, it was, it was, it was what it was half one in the morning, or two in the morning. You know, they were out. They looked like they were dressed up. That's only I'm only being presumptuous, but I can't say whether. But if he hits her you know? like that, surely God knows what's happening in behind closed doors. Would you be entitled yeah, to go back? Like, yeah, go on. Even if the like, if they went home, like what I'd be afraid of is the one thing I was thinking of afterwards was like if the guards were involved and and they did go home together, like what would he do to her after That's the guards? That's the point. Involved? You see, would you be you entitled know? to go back to Douglas Guards and inquire as to? I, you know, what you know that's why next? when you ran when you ran about it yesterday, I was like, you know, I'll text in now and see. Um, I think you, you should know, maybe you know? just 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 to see. But um, 
Yeah, I, I, I probably should just because I was I was curious. That's why I texted in yesterday and said maybe if I got on to you, yeah, maybe. If it were me, I'd be inclined to just say, listen, uh, I was the chap who flagged down the guards. I saw him hit her. I saw them there with the child. Uh, I'm just wondering, yes. do you need me? I'm curious as to how is she? What happened? What happened yeah. next? Will would you need a witness statement from me or anything like that? And, and just see what they say. Yeah, see what they say. Yeah, I might do that. Yeah, do you know what I will? Yeah. Yeah, to I mean, read please do because yeah. uh, I'd be worried for that woman and child. You know, that's what I it was afterwards. I was thinking, I was like, God, did I do? Well, like, look, I know I did the right thing. Well, you were told go. The guards after. told you to go, but now yeah. would be a good time to follow up and just inquire. I would think, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair, fair and play. there was actually just going off that now, Neil. There was another story you ran about yesterday, and um, just towards the end of your show, that the the estate in Shannon. Um, I tell you, I'm actually after purchasing a house inside that estate with my fiance. Congratulations! Uh, I hope it works out for yeah. you, and I hope it all gets well, finished. Well, I tell you, we 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 purchased it in January of 2020, right? And um, signed our contracts in July, and from then it's just been absolute hell. It, it's I, he is he's incapable of doing his job because we signed our contracts in July, right? We were giving um, a completion date of October 2020 which we were happy enough with. Um, he came to us in the meantime and asked, he said, look, if if we, we gave our deposit, and he said, if we, if we give permission to use our deposit to buy a, the timber frame for the house, it would fast track the construction. We were happy enough to do that. We checked with our solicitor. She was happy enough with it. Mm. Um, that was fine. Now, COVID hit in March, which is fair enough. Co- this construction was closed down for seven weeks, right? It opened up again in May. When it returned in May, we were given a fin- completion date for December. We were like, look, we're, we're still happy enough with that. Um, so from May, right, nothing happened on site up until, I think it was the 15th of October. He actually started clearing the site. Last year, last later. year. Yeah. Last year. Last yeah, year. Now bear in mind, construction got, it's a bad year to be taking as an example because of what happened with mm-hmm. construction last year. They were hammered like. They were having I mean, but but like notwithstanding, Shan- the issue, yeah, the issues down there in Shannon and Rathcombe. Yeah, I know. Well, was that all? That in 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 for twenty twenty, right? I granted they were closed again. They were closed again in January, right? And they were closed for a lot longer in January. But like since since he's come back in January, like it's it's everything is a snail's face down there. He tells you, you know, oh something's happening next week. It could be, I was told, I was told, right, the black work was starting. The well, I, part of our house has been black work. I was told in July that our roof was coming in a week or two. It, our roof didn't go up until the 2nd of September. And it's been three and a half weeks now. And they've only just started putting felt on it yesterday. But sure, well, can I you understand, I understand how you feel in a new, pa- a new build of the estate. Can you imagine what the others yeah. feel like who've been living there for years? Oh, sure, Neil. I, we, I go in there, I go in there. And my, my father-in-law goes in there every day. He walks inside there. Every day he goes in. Very rarely there's anyone on site or there's anyone around. And if they are around, they're doing very little. I know. Listen, I wish Crest Home would talk to me because it would be great just to chat through. And they he may be able. They may be able to put up a credible defence on this. You know, he won't. He won't talk yeah. to anyone. I've. I've tried ringing him. I rang him eight times last week. I tried contacting Chris Holmes and nothing back. Never. He's never on site. Never. I feel for you, man. All back. I can do. All I can do is keep the story alive. You know, but uh, and that's that's why battle, I, I bring it up again. Oh yeah, I know. Just, but the battle now seems to be with the county council because uh, the 
yeah. residents are having no luck anywhere else. Um, but I mean, I can I can be, see I can see paperwork going back to two thousand and seven. Would you believe that? That's so long. I know, this is going on. It's crazy. I'm, I'm living in Rakhine all my life, all my life, and that estate is just like it's beyond atrocious what's going on over there yeah, like he can't yeah. what, he needs to finish what he's doing yeah. and he just needs to get out he should not get planning permission for anywhere well else. you need to finish, finish what, what you started first you know that that would make sense to me and then move on you know and then do yeah, the next well, phase and the next phase but listen uh, if, he, if he gets more more planning permission it just like how long has this estate taken how long will the next when will you get in do you think if you're uh, where are you at well, now we're, we're, we're due we're getting married in October we're told we'd be in before the wedding but that's not going to happen no, now no, no, no. he said he then he said before Christmas is the roof on yet the, the, the main timbers only went up the 2nd of September and three and a half weeks now and they only started putting the felt on yesterday yeah it's slow it's slow I know carpenters that said you could roof you can roof and tile a house in a week and a half uh, yeah but you know maybe I don't know I don't know whether there's issues trying to get trades or what I don't know yeah, because they, they well, don't Neil, respond like, to me I, 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 I drive past I drive past the new uh, estate building site every day going to work and there's houses popping up there flying up they're yeah. doing a house every like I'm not joking every month and a half there's a house going from foundation to completely finished in a month and a half two months Stay in touch sure. with me on that if you don't mind, Stephen. But listen, um, yeah. do 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 have a chat with Douglas Gardy, will you? Just just get an update yeah. and you know show yeah, sh- I will. show that show that you're there if 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 you need to be brought as a witness or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks, Neil. pal. Thanks, Take care. Well. Cheers. Take care. Well, Lines well. open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You may well be following the Petito case. Um, the FBI now have confirmed that the body found is Gabby Petito. She disappeared, of course, and uh, the local coroner is saying that she was murdered. Um, and uh, the body was found on Sunday, and then they, uh, I think they've, deter- they've, I don't know whether they've, they've determined the cause of death, but they've determined the manner of the death as as being as being homicide. If if you're following that story, you're right up to speed. It's very very sad. I mean, she she quit her job, she packed in her old life, um, decided to become a blogger and travel across America in a, a camper van. Started in the summer with her boyfriend Brian Laundry, a 23 year old. And they were, she was documenting the journey as, uh, on Instagram and what have you. Uh, and uh, there, were a co- there were a few different incidents, of course, that uh, were of interest to the police. And they were stopped a couple of times. And, and more recently, only very recently, uh, they were stopped when um, the uh, Wyoming police came across them in the National Park. Um, it's very, very, very sad. And now apparently laundry can't be found um, and the mystery deepens because he has gone missing. Uh, lines open, text 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone on one 104 Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04-106. Red FM. Chatting on the air yesterday morning with Bernard O'Hare, the uh, homeless advocate on Side. He helps the homeless and he himself has come through the horrors of addiction and has fought his way back and chatted with another chap on the air who did just the same it can be done not everybody can do it and god knows we lose way too many people in cork uh, to the scourge of drugs in particular heroin it's never been as bad we are in the grip of it and it is freely available and you have drug dealers and gangs now making huge money and funneling kilos of heroin and cocaine and tablets and all sorts of amphetamines down into cork on a, on a weekly on a weekly basis but during the conversation with bernard uh, he did mention a chap that i, I spoke to on the air 
uh, a couple of times uh, down through the past few years, a chap by the name of uh, Leon, and that was Leon Kavanagh. He was a very popular Cork man. He was only 31 years old. He passed away unexpectedly in March. Uh, in fact, he died uh, just days after he saved the life of another member of the Cork community who had taken an overdose of tablets. He was just a lovely, lovely, lovely guy with his own demons. God knows he tried. He had just turned 31 two days before his death um, and uh, his family are absolutely heartbroken. His brother was in touch with me and indeed so was his mam, Christine, and she joins me by phone. Christine, good morning. Can you hear me all right, Christine? Yeah, I heard you. Poor misfortune. Our condolences with you and all of the family uh, on the passing of, you. of of your son. God knows he tried, and and listen, God knows all of you tried as well. You never gave up on him. He leaves behind no, he you and all of the family, but a beautiful partner and two children as well. I'm told. He had just Susan, Jamie, and Lexi, or his two kids. Oh dear me! And he he it was just too strong for him. It was just too hard, wasn't it? Yeah, his addiction was very, very strong. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful young fellow, but just the demons just kicked in, you know, on him. So he couldn't do anything. He tried and tried. And I was waiting for the day for the guard to knock at the door, and it did happen on Friday night. And you knew that that day would come sooner or later? I was waiting, Neil. I was waiting eight years. I buried a son five years ago, coming up to Christmas, and I could never grieve for us because we were worried about Leon. So now I can grieve the two of them. You lost two sons? I did. Different circumstances. Different circumstances. Ross passed away from an epileptic fit. Was his second fit in three weeks. Oh he was 31 God. as well. He had a beautiful partner. Donna and two beautiful children, Kyle and Jordan. Mm. So now we've to grieve for two sons. Um, Leon was home, or was was he was he on the streets, or would he come and go, or would he come and visit He'd you? Come or? And go. He'd come and go. But my rules, Leon couldn't accept him. And he'd come back and he'd say, Mom, I'll try to get clean. And I'd say, Gwen, there's a bed there. And Monday morning would come and Leon would go out the door and God love us, I wouldn't see him. Till I might see him under a tent or sitting on the floor. Some days I'd go over and give him a sandwich. But he mightn't have known me. Oh, Christine, your misfortune. You would... You would you would see him, you would approach him, um, and he wouldn't recognize you as his mother. No, no. Oh, my so God. So we tried, we tried. I have a stepdaughter from Wales. She came over and took him back. He was over there for about two months. Came back on the ferry, got on the bus, got off at Turner Place, and went back onto the hurry. And would he have been clean and off it for the two months in Wales? Yeah, he was in Wales, yeah. My first stepdaughter, Ashlyn, came over, took him back. You know, a lot of people helped him, but God loves he couldn't help himself, you know. Did he do any like, treatment here, I wonder? He did. He went to Brory. Yeah. Three weeks, he got caught the third week with a cigarette, and they left him go. 
Like the rules, I know our rules, but it was only a cigarette God love us hand to put them out. Would that happen if you were caught smoking a fag, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I suppose their rules is, you know. You're in the addiction. But God love us, he tried and tried and we all helped him, you know. I've seven other kids and we all helped him, try to do our best. Leon just couldn't his addiction was too strong. Yeah. You know, God yeah. love us. He was destroyed, he was literally destroyed. You know, I, I, and as I said, Kaylee Lawless, you know of Kaylee. Kaylee done everything, tried to get him in somewhere. And this happened two years ago. Some girl paid for a month. It was Christmas of a B&B. When Jock paid the money with my daughter, Simone, my eldest child. And the lady gave him the key. So Leon went away out. She went through his bag found out he was homeless and rang for the key to come back and put him out in the street again. He didn't sleep there. Was that in a and b It was in a, yeah. Oh, dear me. So then Kaylee was trying so to get him So he's back on the street again then, having, yeah, t- having exactly. thought that he had the promise of somewhere to stay yeah. for a month. Yeah. And we don't know if the girl who paid, the God love she paid, whatever she paid for it. A kind gesture. So, yeah. So Kaylee Lawless tried to get him in last year, like that now. I know him would accept him because he'd no false ID or passport. What homeless person? Well, Leon hadn't even a dole card. Mm. They knew him in the GPO. Mm. So what homeless person would have false ID? There's been a lot of talk over the last couple of days on uh, on the air that uh, maybe providing welfare on a weekly basis is keeping them in the grips of addiction because they're able to buy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I understand that. But like, there's 400 homeless people now, not all down to addiction. Oh, I know. As you know yourself. Yeah. This is Justin Kirk. I was outside Paul Street with Kayleigh two weeks ago and we were speaking to a few of his friends I didn't know them but Kaylee brought me up to introduce me to them this lady came up behind my back and she said those speaking to these effing junkies what are you doing speaking to these effing junkies yeah well I am a very quiet person I felt like running after and say one of those was my child he literally died on the street all over yeah yeah. You see, people don't realize what they're saying. Like, they don't realize that there's a story behind and a family behind and people who love them. And can you, and can you recall how, how, how all of this started with, with Leon? I actually, at the start, Neil, I was probably blind. I couldn't see. But I'm going to say it on the air. There was things going missing from my house rings, small little things. You know, what money a, for my kids. How, and how old would he have been then, do, do you know? Well, I suppose he'd have been 18, 19. Okay. And how was he in school? Did he manage to stick school? He did. He'd done, he done it up to his junior cert. He was a lovely young fella, and you know, still a lovely young fella, God love us. He was just, he went down the wrong road. 
you know? So, so did, did you notice that he might have been hanging out with kind of some dodgy characters or that his, his, his pals were suspect or well, anything like that? I'd never blame anybody for my child's addiction, you know? No, and, I, and just talking about how it, how it began, I'm, and is it, has it to do with the company you keep or, you know, where and who you socialise with? Maybe Sony, yeah. maybe so, you know. So things started going missing at home that you yeah, think in hindsight yeah. might have been sold? Yeah, small things, you know. And like people would tell me, I met a guy yesterday, they're going over Baker's Road, and he told me that he met him down by Tesco one day and he said, to the guy, could I have two euro, please? And he said, Leon, I have a fiver. No, I don't like taking notes. The Kaylee Lawless would tell you the very exact same. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't like taking notes of anybody. Yeah, he thought it was too much, maybe. Yeah, yeah. the God loves him, the beautiful young fella. And, you know, I never blamed Leon for his addiction. Never did, never will, you know. It's just that his addiction was so strong. But you knew he was using heroin, did you? You, you knew that's oh, what I it did, was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you I ask? Did you? Him. Would you chat with them about it or beg yeah, or plead and with them? Yeah, I Leon, look, we try get we try make you get clean because you're making these people millionaires. And he just looked at me. He said, "Ma'am, you've a big addiction shopping because I love shopping. I'm always in town." Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, that was his, that was his defense. That was yes, yeah. but. Yeah, I know, I know. But did, he, but did he ever kind of say, I'm going to get clean, it's going to be fine, he I'm did. going to have a great life, and did he have, was he making plans? He did, Neil, I actually haven't it with me. He came up four years ago with a birthday card. My birthday was in the end of November, it was the start of December. He handed me a card, and we actually read it. Claire read it out in the church the morning of his funeral. If you read the card, you'd cry. All what he put me through. And he will be clean for next year. And you read that birthday card at his funeral then? Yes, my best friend Claire Lawless read it. And I have that card. I put that card away and I said to Claire, I am putting that card away because I know we need it someday. You just thought the day will come when you will be burying yeah. him. And that card, that, that birthday card was telling him, it was him telling you that he loved you and that he was sorry yeah. and he knew yeah. he puts you through an awful lot and he would make it up to you. Yeah, and he yeah. actually had that written on the end of the card. Oh, that I love him, Mum. I know what I put you through. So he he was still hoping that at some stage yeah. it yeah. would all come right. But God, love us. He tried and he tried. Yeah, he he yeah. did try and he just couldn't. As we say, his addiction was too strong. God love him, you know. Sure, he was sleeping. He was sleeping uh, in the Debenhams doorway, wasn't he? He was, yeah. And you'd, yeah. you'd walk past him, and you'd see him. Yeah. Mother walking past us. Yeah, and I often went over, and he wouldn't have known me. And would you say, Leon, it's ma'am? I went over one day and I said, Leon, this is your mum. And he said, "My mum, my mum is out in Lanzarote." That's what he said to me. He actually didn't even know me. He told us in Lanzarote. I know, completely heartbreaking. And like I taste any other. Must have been awful thing. to have to walk away from him. Like yeah. That. Do you know, if I could save someone else's child by listen, you know, by this today, because it's heartbreaking to bury, it's bad enough burying one child from an illness, but burying a child from addiction and to die in the street. We don't know how long he was unresponsible. And I'm just waiting for the inquest now when he was found, you know. It's killing me. 
Do you know? And do you know where he did take his last breath? Where was that? It was somewhere in Cobrick Street. But I actually don't know. When the poor guard came up to tell me on the Friday night, I just can't remember the guard. I just shut the door on his face. I didn't know what I was doing. So I really don't know. Hopefully the inquest will tell that. Yeah, yeah. You know. And you know that he saved someone's life only a few days. He did, yeah. Yeah. What do you you know about that? He did because it's Kaylee Lawless who's telling me that, you know. He saved that boy's life. Somebody had overdosed on tablets or something and he... Yeah. Yeah, God love us, you know. And you say, he was only 31 years old with two children, and you, you say that if you could save one life for one mother, but how, like, there's, what, you know, if you had your time over, what would you even do differently? You did everything you could. Oh, I know that, Neil, and, like, people be saying to me, you're so strong, you know, you've no regrets, but, like, I was saying, could I have done a lot more for Leon? You know, being honest. They're on the street. There should be more done for them. There should be, like, there's plenty buildings locked up. God love them, you know. There's someone's children. It's just, I don't know. You see, the treatment sometimes seems to work. Uh, like, And you could see that he went to Wales and he was clean for two months. But the minute he got off the bus on the keys... He fell back into bad company again and was and the and the addiction called him and the craving was too much. Great awakening. That's Great How do you break that cycle like? I don't know. Like I have another son now in Wales and he's doing very well, Damien. Good for you him. Know? Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. And Damien was on the street. And he's away in Wales now, three years this Christmas. And God love us, he just said, Mum, I'd never come back to put you to it. So Damien actually would know if he came back that he'd go back. Because he, he'd be back in Cork, he'd be back in familiar surroundings around people he knew and God knows he'd be offered more heroin. Yeah, yeah he'd be offered it. Leon, yeah. Leon came back for Leon, or Damien came back, sorry, for Leon too and, and it, they lasted three days. I thought he'd never go back to You were worried about him? I was worried sick and he said he came through the town when he got off the bus. And the offers he got, he was with my uh, stepdaughter, actually. How did it get so bad? Yeah, yeah. You see, if we could just stop people starting, never mind the stopping, I know that's important, but if we could just not get them to start. Exactly, me. You'll never be the same as a family, not having come through tragedies like that. Yeah, yeah. Like I've seven other kids and I have to get up in the morning and... You know, take every day that comes every morning. I know, I know. No parent should bury a child, not to mind two of them. I know. Thank God Damien is flying. That's great news. He's flying, thank God. You know, he is. God love us. And I know it's heartbreaking over there. And what would you say to parents of young children listening then, having gone through everything you've gone through? You say if you could make one difference, what would you say? What can um, be said? Or is it, is it even? Like, make him aware of drugs. You know, what can happen? Like, my daughter's 16, and I'd be just saying, Alana, when you go out, and we're not beyond drink or drugs. Neil, it's a, a hard thing to say, 
find it very hard to trust my children ever again. You know that kind of way? I know what you mean. It's only, that's only natural. For God's sake, of yeah. course. Yeah. 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 If they could only realise that it's not cool, if they could only realise that they're being lied to, if they could only realise that, um, you know, the people that are trying to get them to start or to take the drugs that they're taking, exactly. um, you know, they're not their friends. They don't have their yeah. best interests at heart. And ultimately, it's 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 dealers up in Dublin and Eastern Europe and South America. Yeah. They're the ones getting rich as millionaires and billionaires and yeah. families in Cork are being destroyed. Yeah, and I always said that to Leon, like, God love us. As I said, his addiction was too strong. I know, you know, I know, I know. And I remember, God love us, when we were going into the mercy on the morning that he, he was passing away. Paul Kelly Lawless was with me and she said, Christine, can I buy his coffin? I said, no, Kelly, I'll buy that myself. Knowing that I still owed money on Ross's. <sighs> and she bought a job us. She went up and bought his coffin. And could I thank Bernard O'Hare for setting up the GoFundMe? Everybody paid into it. People here and far. You know, I'd like to thank everybody. And Colin's funeral home for the welcome that they gave me the second time going back, knowing that I owed them four grand. Oh, I know, I know. I stood outside at me with a scarf around my face and I said, Claire, will you go in and ask them, can I come back in? And they opened the doors and opened their arms. What a beautiful thing. Beautiful. And I said, don't worry. I said, I know I owe four grand on Ross's funeral, but thank God, Neil. I have to thank everybody. It's all paid. Now we're just waiting on their headstone to go. They deserve this. Are they buried together, uh, Ross? They're buried together, yeah. And Leon? <sighs> yeah, they are. So poor Ross, like, is Ross's rules now to Leon, you know? We were laughing when he was going down, we were saying, it's Ross's rules now, Leon? You know? Ross is the boss. <laughs> Ross, yeah. Oh, it's tragic. It's so tragic. I'm sorry if for putting you through it again this morning. It must be very difficult mm-hmm. reliving it. It must be, because you're no, living it every I day said, anyway. I said from day one when I buried Leon to Kayleigh, I would love to want to meet Brendaville, because I listen every morning to you. I yeah, know, but I, I wish you... Very much you know, need for having me on. Well, you're, a, you're an incredibly brave woman, I have to say, in spite of what you've Thank gone you. through and losing two beautiful sons like that. You know, Thank you. Let it be a warning. Thank you, Christine. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Neil. Bye. Bye. You don't want to speak to Kaylee at all. It's just the room in the earth, though. Hang on, hang on there. I'm going to take an ad break and come back in a few minutes' time and we'll see what we're doing. But it's lovely chatting with you, Christine. Mind yourself, Thanks, all right? Neil. I Cheers. appreciate that. God bless. Thank bye, you. bye, bye. It's the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086 Red. FM. And you can text 0868104106 and pick up the phone on 1850104106. A lot of text actually from yesterday morning's program. I imagine if people who were texting yesterday morning, critical uh, of people who are in addiction, um, got an opportunity to text that text now, having listened to me chatting with Christine. Would they text differently? But Christine also wanted to uh, thank Susan, uh, Leon's ex-partner, who was a great support to her. Um, she didn't mention on air and asked me to, to pass on her thoughts and her sentiments and thanks to uh, uh, to Susan as well. Ha- happy to do that. Uh, just a few texts this out of 10. I'm living in the city centre in an apartment block. It's disgraceful. Youths injecting down our alleyways, getting into our car park 
uh, injecting as well. Over the last couple of weeks, they've broken into apartments, robbed bikes and done criminal damage to the property. My children walking home from school have to look at these zombies floating around town and also have to be careful with needles and drug waste on the pavements around the city because they live in the city, in a city centre apartment. Uh, what can I say? What, what I can say is fair play to the council street cleaners, at least, walking around town with their rubbish carts. They're working round the clock cleaning the streets, picking up all this filth up off the streets. They deserve a pay raise for what they have to clean up. It's absolutely disgraceful. Another one, lots of people are saying withdraw the drug users' social welfare. Do people not think this will only lead to more thefts in shops? people's businesses and private houses being robbed etc yeah i know there has been quite an amount of talk about that over the last couple of days that with welfare and uh, you know getting dole say for instance on a monday or or a thursday uh, a lot of the time they uh, the dealers take the money um, and uh, it just keeps the vicious cycle going i was in dublin for the camogie final and it was the first time i was up there for a few years and it absolutely shocked me i couldn't get uh, i could not get back on the train fast enough to Cork. If this is what Cork is destined to look like in a few years' time, do whatever needs to be done now to avoid it before it's too late, uh, says Adrian. You don't want to see what I saw in Dublin. Um, on the injection centre, uh, the walk-in injection centre that's being proposed for the city, and we've been talking about this for, for many years now at this stage, but it could well be getting closer. Why, where are these injection facilities going to be built? Rochestown, maybe? Montanati? If these facilities are not going to draw criminality and antisocial behaviour, there can be no reason not to place them in the affluent neighbours Neighbourhoods, says Richie and Toker. Probably none of the above, nor any um, estate, to be quite honest with you, or any suburb. I would think it would be somewhere smack dam in the middle of the city somewhere, I would think. Interesting times we live in when the fundamental human rights of criminal junkies are held in higher regard than those of law-abiding, ordinary, decent citizens who refuse to participate in the global vaccine trial. Well, it was... Didn't think it would be too long before COVID would get into this, and there it is. Um, you know, when when you talk about criminal junkies, uh, would you still believe that now, having heard Christine's story about our beautiful son Leon, uh, who is still a beautiful individual in spite of his addictions and in spite of trying, and also in spite of losing his life uh, to to heroin? Lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. We have calls, texts, and comments after the after ten. Back after. 10. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7am and wake up your weekend with music, chats and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. Imro Music Station of the Year. You're on Cork's Red FM. So they'll have a grand morning of it tomorrow because there's a socially distanced coffee morning at Balancholic GA Club tomorrow morning, half past nine to two o'clock and I'd say they'll have the teas and the coffees and the biscuits and the cakes out there for sure in aid of Marymount Hospice and Bernie's got in touch with me asking me to give them a shout out happy to do that Balancholic GA Club uh, tomorrow morning half nine to two all proceeds to Marymount if you're in the area do um, support a uh, lot of texts you know we were talking about the amount of uh, Gardaí on, on Side, and uh, it's difficult to get an actual number because of uh, you know security issues with the, within the Gardaí but um, uh, one of the figures that I was given out was when you look at the city and then the two county districts but if you look at the city 714 um, and some texts on that then with regards to why we haven't more boots on the ground 
714, it is a shocking number. Take into consideration how many are off on any given day. It should be three times that number. Uh, and out every weekend, a minimum of five day, five per major street in the city every day, as in five guards per major street every day, particularly from 6 uh, p.m. Uh, presence is everything. Uh, 714 guards in Cork is tiny when you split it into three shifts, Neil. It's a 24-7 job. Take guardy out, uh, take the sick days out, take holidays out, take all of the time they spend in court. How many really are left to go on the streets, says Pat. Good point. Every guard should have a gun. Simple as that. With uh, tolerance towards criminality in the city the way it is, guardies should be gunned and armed. You will see, you will soon see a drop in those stats that you mentioned from the latest joint policing committee meeting where it showed that many crimes and a lot of drug issues and a lot of criminal activity on Leaside is up. Listening to your show, I had to text in. I was in town on Friday afternoon, one o'clock, parked in Carl's Key. And as I came down the stairs, a man was lying out of his face across the stairs with all his junky scum paraphernalia lying around. The poor security guards stood near him and told decent people to go back and walk down the levels in the car park as the stairs were a no-go. Junky scum all over the city. Guards should be doing more. I came back to the car park about 50 minutes later. They were still sprawled across the stairs. There was no sign of the guards. I can tell you I grew up in England. When I first moved here in 2006, you rarely saw any junkies shuffling around the city centre. I've been saying it for a long time, but Cork City Centre now may as well be Glasgow, Birmingham or London. Uh, They are in town shuffling around, begging for money, targeting easy targets like young schoolgirls, elderly people, women on their own. Once you touch that stuff, your life is done. Robbing your family, lying and everything that comes with it. Uh, you know, I, under, I understand uh, your frustration and your annoyance. I can't, under, I can't understand your anger or use of some of the language that you use because God only knows, you know, there is an individual and a human being. Mind you, um, you know, when I say things like that, I get, I get accused of bad journalism, you know, uh, saying that, you know, junkies are beautiful people. But, you, you know, you, you listen to Christine then and you can see that every... It's, Somebody who's addicted to heroin or any kind of hard drugs at all is somebody's son or daughter, brother and sister. I work in the city and Monday morning walking to work was like a bloodbath Monday morning. There was blood in all the doors in Debenhams and all down Mela Street and all down Carolyn Street. It was absolutely frightening. Blood. Obviously an awful lot of flights, fights, either fights or drugs or blood as a result of uh, drug injection. Zero tolerance to drug dealing and trafficking. If the budget that was spent on all the COVID awareness and advertising was spent on zero tolerance with regards to drug dealing and trafficking, we might now perhaps want to see another similar advertising campaign regarding drugs and drug use. Okay, lots of texts. I will come back to them. Uh, but this is, I, I found this fascinating. There's a, there's a chap down in Cove, right? And up against the key wall, he's got a 50-foot trawler called the Ellis. His name is Paul Tynan. Now, Paul Tynan has in the past himself been destitute uh, for a number of years. But he's come up with this idea to create like a floating... I don't know whether you'd call it a floating village because at the end of the day, it's a huge trawler with big decks on it, right? Um, but we, we talk about homeless people in Cork continuing to suffer from mental health, alcohol, drug issues, all of the above. And he's looking to turn the tide on the homeless crisis himself. Um, and I thought it was kind of interesting because he, he actually has two trawlers. Get another one over over West along where apparently he, he bought it off um, 
uh, some chap who sold it's an ex-fishing trawler a massive thing and he, he bought it for a euro so I thought it might be a good idea for Seamus Whelan to pop down and catch up with them um, and so he did over the past couple of days and Paul Tynan welcomed him aboard you mind if you want to put your foot on down your foot on down she take it now you're good you're good mind that rope there just yet now you're on that's it that's it <laughs> and welcome Cheers. aboard the Irish. you've got it looking well anyway oh yeah which we, we turned her around we closed this house you can sit down is not very much there. You see, yet it's all very, very basic, very funny. Yeah, and you're not sleeping down there at all? No, no, down there's a bit too, just be too unhealthy. Look, the timber's kind of rotten and stuff like that. It'd be yeah. mug and stuff like that, you know. It's off the street, down. I'm in the middle of painting and taking away the rotten stuff. And, you know, I wouldn't we get, we get very sick down there. Yeah, you would. You go get your buggy socket and lung infections and things over. But so. you were telling me that you picked this up in Donegal? Yes. Can you tell me the story behind us? I can, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was working for a man in Belmullet doing a little helping out with the fishing and he sourced this boat for me, his friends had it and knew that I was in a desperate way in Dublin, you know, I knew I was fairly handy at looking after the boat so they made it possible then for me to own this. Um, I done, uh, painted a few boats and, and, and done a few couple of fishing trips and I don't know exactly what money was paid but uh, there was a few pounds, you know. The lads that was bought off, they were very, very accommodating. They understood, you know, the work I was going to go into and what I needed of it. So they helped me out with oil and helped me out with wires and radios and, and as best they could, you know. I had a place in a workyard in, in Skibberina that my planner brought her down there to get the, the, the necessary work done, get her sealed and get a good mm. a good ironer and a good check out of, of, of what I had and what I needed to do. You know, there was a lot of work with the electricity, the wires and old wires and old equipment that wouldn't be needed. So to take away all that and then the, the hole, the fishing hole was used just for fish boxes and the, the galley at the back would have had under the wheelhouse would have never been wouldn't have been used for any kind of living. But it was a bit of a wreck so when you got it. Yeah, yeah, we could say pretty much, yeah, we brought it back to life. We, we, we resurrected it with the engine and the warden and the stuff I'll do. I will be able to accommodate 10 people safely, provide coffee for them and, and I'll be able to look after the well-being for the night. I'll be able to give them a rest to be able to get a good, a good quality sleep what they might need, you know. And then in the long term, I'll be able to pick out the few that, that, that might be interested in, in changing their life around because ultimately for me it's 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 counselling and a place for people to talk to address their issues and address what they might need to get themselves back on And you have training and counselling? No, I'm not an official, I've no no paperwork that way, but they, people find it very easy to speak yeah. to me. They just find it very easy to be honest with me. They yeah. speak to me more openly and, okay. and and for me I'd be in a I'd be I'd be in a better position to understand what they'd need. Some people don't need a house. Some people would never be able for a house or manage a house. Yeah. Some people might just need a caravan in somewhere or, or you know, just somebody to mind their property or, or somewhere to get post or something. Because yeah. being homeless is not... Just doesn't mean you don't have a bed. It's a lot of other problems that come with it. You don't have a post box. You don't have... You can't get letters. You can't... You're not entitled to different things. You mightn't have a GP. You mightn't have health care. You, you know, you, mm. you're falling through the cracks of so much. It's, 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 it's more than just a bed for the night. It's, it's you have, you're, you're zero. You're not a citizen. Yeah. You've, you've no, no rights, no, no quality of, of, of an existence at all. And like, you've been homeless now a while, have you? I've been homeless a long, long time. Yeah, I, 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 uh, 
I'd have, I'd have been in like a psychiatric hospital years and years ago and things like that, but, but I've, I've always kept my eye on people who are, who are down and out and stuff like that, you know. But uh, this journey now, I'm on it now since 2015, 2016, and it's, 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 it's bad, it's desperate, you know. It's like, for the first while I was walking the streets of Dublin, I was lost, I didn't know where to go, I was trying to look for help, trying to join this queue and join that queue for food and, you know, the basic stuff, but it's tiresome. It's tiresome, you know, because it's a constant battle because, you know, to some you don't want to look homeless because if you do look homeless, you might get in to go to the toilet somewhere or get in and get a drink of water and then to others, uh, you know, you can't hide the fact that you're, 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 you're carrying a rucksack, you're carrying a bag and you've nowhere to leave your stuff and it's, 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 it's no good, but it, in the mornings after sleeping, you'd, you know, you'd, for me, I took a responsibility of, I'm a religious person, I'm a great belief in God and in the mornings I would walk around and check the sleeping bags and check the scene, you know, was, was there anybody that didn't make it through the night and there was a few occasions I did find uh, people that, that, that didn't make it and that's, it's not nice and I would have, the question I always walked away from, if, if, if what if, what if a couple of hours before that I didn't meet that person and I had something to offer mm. them, what if I gave them a cup of tea or what if I, I gave them a sleeping, you know, what if, so, so, for me it would have been, it's, it's, I've lost them people, so maybe I won't lose more. You know, to show people there are other options, there's somebody cares yeah, about you, them. Yeah, but you won't be able to kind of help everybody, you know? No. You're aware of that. Yeah, well, I understand that, but you have to try. You have to kind of... Because voluntary soup kitchens and voluntary people like that, they'll, they'll put up a table and things like that and food and give out clothes and fair play to them. The country will be lost without them. But as soon as that table disappears, it's a very lonesome... It's a very lonesome, lonely, a lonesome world for, for a lot of people. But like, know. how are you getting the diesel to, to get around? People are very, people are very kind to me. I play guitar, I busk. Yeah. I play guitar and I busk and I do work and people are, people give me stuff, you know, and they see a lot of people stop and talk to me and they, they you know, they hear, hear what I'm doing and they hear I'm a genuine fella, they'll help me out. I'm blessed at how far I've gotten so far and I won't give, you know, it's, it's, and, and the death of my friend there during the night, a woman's girl, she was 27 years of age, uh, she died up in Dublin during the night, Lord rest of her soul, but, um, it's people like that. It's a constant reminder that what I'm, what I'm doing, what I'm at. You know, it's 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 a crisis. It's a it's a serious crisis. You know, and and me, I'm a captain in this boat here, and I won't see anybody die on my watch. Yeah. And I can't see how, the, and I'm not getting any big money, so. I can't see how the government can go to bed, you know, the people in government, the people in offices that have the positions to make the decisions, how they can go to sleep at night and know that there are people dying on their watch. And you're telling me that you have a boat too in Glandor that you I have, have for you know, Europe? The reason, the reason, I, the reason I, I, I stopped off here, I was on my way around to Dublin because, you know, there's a few guys really need this boat up there and they're, 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 they're in a bad, bad station. One guy's sitting on a bridge now and he's, 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 he's in no... He's, he's at the point of giving up because he's trusted too many people and he's been let down too much. He just yeah. needs to rest the poor man. But um, the night before I stopped in here, I stopped in Glandor, uh, Union Hall, and there there was a, a, a big old trawler, and I made inquiries, and the man that owned it sold it to me for one euro. My God. For to help the homeless people. And that trawler I can help. I can accommodate 40 to 50 people. Uh, uh, emergency accommodation status every night with that trawler alone on on peanuts. On well, it it mustn't be a great boat to be selling it for a euro, is it? 
Well, well, well probably for, it, it wouldn't have a commercial value now for fishing, but for me, for shelter, it's uh, it's a wooden hull, which I haven't really taken a great look at the hull, but it's timber, I will repair it if it does need repairing. The most important for me is an aluminium shelter deck and, and wheelhouse. It's huge. Yeah. You know, the, the, the deck of it alone, there's a toilet on board, there's a shower on board, there's a kitchen on board. You know, these are ready to use now. And have you seen something like this before? Is that where you got the idea? Or? No. Oh, well, well, for me, I, I worked on the factory trawlers in Norway. I spent eight, nearly 18 years over there uh, working on oil rigs and that. So I, I see what people need to live. You know, I understand life on a boat and life on a trawler, what fishermen it needs. And I can provide that, you know. I, I can provide a, a, a reasonable quality of living, much better than the emergency accommodation that has been offered by... Uh, by the government and the different people uh, at the minute, you know. So, um, for a lot of people, I see that they wouldn't avail of the the, 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 the trawler. Yeah. So I could take 50 people off but the street. But what about berthing it? Like, uh, I'm sure the, the Port of Cork, who don't like you being parked up here, well, you know, they, they, similar they, they, have, they have tried to flex their muscle here a little bit. Now, I understand here is not a good place, you know, but uh, a few other issues to highlight here. But it's, 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 it's no real person owns the water as such, you know, so it's okay, it's a private, it's a private pier there, but where am I to go? Do they want to see me dying in, the, in, in, in a doorway? You know, it's it's. I'm being honest. I'm being open. This is the boat. This is my plan. That's Paul Tyner, and he's got that trawler down in Cove, and he's got a bigger one that could take up to fifty people, and he wants to bring that down as well and do some work on it, and ultimately then have them up in the Port of Cork or up in the Keys of Cork. And I mean, I admire the guy's initiative, Paul Tyner. And in fairness, he's trying to do something, but I honestly can't see that working. I just, I mean, I think water is way too dangerous. There'll be all sorts of safety issues there and security issues, and people fall overboard, particularly if they were a safer instance on well or a bit the worse for wear but you have to admire his initiative but I think it would be very very unsafe actually you know on board a, a, a boat like that or a trawler they're dangerous anyway at the best of times with all of the equipment and cabling and things like that but you got to admire, admire his initiative that he's trying to do something to make a difference. Listen can I just go quickly up to uh, Cathedral Road, Connor standing by. Connor good morning How's it going? I'm How good, you? I'm good. You just came across, um, and thanks for the video footage, it's a very bad car crash. What, what happened? Yeah. Did you actually see it or come upon it? No, I, I actually just heard it as I was getting into the car. It, all, all we heard was like a thump, and then like the, it sounded like it was on its roof scrape, and then it hit off a wall, flipped onto its side, and then hit another pole. But there's electricity poles, but all the ambulances and all of them have just gone past James right he's down now. And is there someone still in it, like the driver? I, I think they, they haven't moved her because it was that bad of a crash. Like they, I'd say they were doing about 100k, if if more, going down Cedar Road. Did you see the car driving at that speed? All, all, I, all I seen was something going past and then heard the, the, the how they said, onset with a few smacks. That's some speed, 100 kilometres, if that's what was being driven at. I mean, there was uh, yeah. lucky there was no there was no pedestrians because it, it, it seems no, to have, no, it I, seems I, to have I, completely I smashed a wall yeah. first. Yeah, it smashed, it took out a pole just by the bus stop, I think, and then was bouncing down the road, hit the wall, and that's when it flipped over. I don't know how many times it would have, but, like, it's it's on its side there now. It's a complete... All, all the emergency services have just gone up the past James Riley's. Oh, my God, no, and did there weren't any pedestrians, or, or imagine if it happened I don't at school know. time. I, I have, we haven't seen anyone on the floor or anyone being tended to, just... Just 
people around the car. Okay, okay. So ambulances on the way, fire brigades as well. They, they're already there, I'd say. They, they passed Seamus Rises about three minutes ago. Car's up on its side now, isn't it? Yeah. There's engine oil all over, never care. Like, if you got a good smack, it takes a lot to do that to a car. Oh, my God. I can see the damage to the... But clearly hit the wall of a house first, bounced off it and con- yeah. turned and then bounced down the street, took out the yeah. pole and then landed on its side on the other side of the road. If there had been anybody walking there, they would have been crushed. Oh, they would have been killed, stone dead. Oh my God, I hope she's okay. I really do. Okay. So that's happening as we speak. Yeah. Okay. All right. Listen, um, thanks for the update on that one. People uh, would be horrified to hear. And, and that's the kind of speed you think that was being done, yeah? I like it, like sixty people usually travel at sixty down there. You wouldn't travel that further after a pump like that. Like it'd have to be in the eighty tons or kilometers. Losing control like that. All right, Connor. Thanks so much for getting okay. in touch. Appreciate no it. Worries. Take care of yourself. Cheers. Back after the break. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Thank you to Connor. I hope that that driver is okay. And thankfully, there was nobody on the street or on the footpath or anything like that. I, I mean, we don't know what speed it was being done in, in defence and in fairness to whoever was driving. Could have just lost control. Who knows what speed it was being done or what caused it? I think at this stage, it's about people being safe and making a full recovery. Uh, but it certainly looks like um, you know it's a it's a bad one. Um, anyway, I hope that that person is okay. Who knows what the cause of it was? It, that can be determined at a later date. I just hope everybody is all right. I want to chat a little later on with a man called Karam Chima. It's a very interesting story he has to tell, actually. I'll tell you more about it later. He was being prosecuted for uh, an allegation that he was falsely claiming pop uh, at the rate of €350 Euro a week. He's had all of the charges against him for that now dropped. It, it did go to court. Uh, he was facing 20 charges of pop theft. Um, he's not the only person actually that ended up before the courts or is going to be before the courts for what's called alleged theft of pandemic unemployment payment. Um, he has been living here many, many years, a taxpayer here. Uh, but he got in touch with me and, and I'll tell you more about it later on because he says in April uh, there was a news story being published, lots of newspaper reports of him being published uh, that he was going to be going to court for the case. And yet when he was cleared of any wrongdoing, uh, there was nobody talking about it. And he was telling me that he, he said it was unfair because people have been living with a very bad image of him in his mind and in their minds and that it hurts him. And he, he's down in West Cork and the whole episode has destroyed his life. I'll tell you more about that a little later on this morning. But, um, w- w- you know, we were talking about domesticity or our relationships when they break down or people living with domestic abuse or violence or indeed where there are addictions in the home. Um, and I have a lot of different correspondence on that. But I got a lovely letter in, a handwritten letter with a poem in from a listener recently. It was actually at the time when I was play, I played John Neville's song, The Wobbling Man. Now, John Neville is the Cork singer-songwriter who grew up in a home. Uh, his, his mother, an incredibly powerful, strong woman, um, um, raised them and did the very best she could for them in spite of the fact that... Um, his dad was in the throes of alcohol addiction for many, many years and, and, and ultimately ultimately died. But um, when I was playing that song and chatting a little bit about the song, um, one lady was listening at the time. She says, this is a poem I wrote after hearing John Neville's song, The Wobbling Man. Uh, I spoke to you on the phone about it at the time. Um, uh, the song, and it was a beautiful poem, but she said, that song took me back to a very unhappy time in my own life. And it touched me deeply that John Neville in the song got everything so right. 
but this is my first time in a long time uh, that something has stirred inside me. So I wrote a little poem that maybe a lot of women will know. It's called Half Past Five. It means, uh, half past five means he's not coming home from work. He's gone to the pub. Uh, please don't give out my own personal details, but I'm happy for you to share the poem. The poem is called Half Past Five, or, or the, the Lady in Waiting. Half Past Five would indicate that if he's not home by half past five, he won't be home for the night. And she said she watches the clock. It's half past five. Oh Lord, he's gone again for the night. As she tries to keep her family safe, she struggles to keep the peace in this un- unhappy, unhappy place. Just a girl, once of 17, she thought she'd met the man of her dreams, tall and dark with a glint in his eye. Uh, but soon he overpowered this girl who was shy. She'd been told by her family when she went for help to seek, and she couldn't understand what she was doing so wrong. They said, you made your bed, which you must now lie upon. Long, lonely nights rolled into years. Her children's lives he blighted with fears. Only a family's, only a family whose lives have been touched by years of alcohol abuse and mistrust can tell the story of loss and pain. Or oh, these are the memories that will always remain. But after years she breaks away. She now lives bright and happy days in her home that has no anger or abuse. Her children too have broken loose. Now live their lives in peace, love and harmony. A close-knit family with no fear. Now free of anger, hurt and pain. No longer walking with heads bowed in shame. And that's the poem, Half Past Five. Uh, and it was inspired uh, by John Neville's song, Cork singer-songwriter about his own growing up in Cork uh, back in the, uh, I guess, the maybe perhaps around the back end of the 60s and early 70s, uh, called The Wobbling Man. I left unknowingly as a boy The wobbling man was like a toy You'd whine As Cork's own John Neville, don't you just love that button accordion? Absolutely. The story of uh, his dad, uh, the wobbling man. And uh, every, every, every young fella loves his ma'am. And you can tell that from the lyrics of that song. Beautiful song. Well done, John. Uh, lines open at 1850, 104, 106. Interesting emails, actually, in recent times. Um, I, too, was in a relationship where I was emotionally and financially abused. It didn't start out like that, uh, but gradually became worse and worse. It's only now that I'm well out of the relationship, that I actually realized it wasn't normal uh, and that uh, not, that's not the way families actually work. Uh, we have two children, so we were a family of four. We both worked, uh, but I earned considerably less. However, I was only given 500 per month for all of the bills and that included rent, daycare for our daughter, food, heating, basically all the household bills. Any personal bills, for example, insurance, phone, etc., I had to pay myself, which I didn't mind. If the children needed anything, either I had to buy it for them or I had to ask for half the money, which usually led to an argument of how they didn't actually need the things I needed to buy them at all. The bills were to be paid once a month and I always had to tell him the bills were due. Sometimes he would give it to me, sometimes he would delay a week when I'd have to ask again. When the next month's bills were due, he would say, I gave it to you three weeks ago. There would then be another argument when I tried to explain. So I started having to write it down. Honestly, when I say this out loud, I cannot believe that this was mine and my children's life for 18 years. I cannot believe I did not see it. 
ladies, look out for the signs. No matter what anyone tells you or anyone makes you feel, you are not worthless. You are not fat. You are not useless. You can fill the dishwasher the right way in spite of what he tells you. It will be subtle at first, the snide remarks, the gaslighting, the making you question your own sanity. To anybody contemplating going to a loan shark, do not. Just get out when you can, as fast as you can. A relationship should be a partnership and not a dictatorship. Neil, if you read this out, please do not give out my own personal details. Thank you for that. Um, Aren't you in a much better place now, all those years later? Um, Thankfully, you are. But there was an email that came in. um, Somebody also said, I never expected myself to be writing, but I feel that, and it was more advice, actually. And I have some texts and some advice for for this this woman, incidentally. She says, my husband's a functioning cocaine addict for about three years now. Um, You remember that email? I read it out two days ago. We've been, we we have a three-year-old and I'm currently pregnant. Uh, His drug use has been on and off, mostly on, though, for the last few years. The mood swings, the anger, the lack of financial support all taking a toll, and I know that it can't go on. So I'm just recapping on this again. He's functioning in daily life, holding down a job, and adores his child. However, this isn't the life I want for both me and my children, one now and a second to come. He's most definitely collected drugs and done drugs in the presence of my child, which isn't acceptable. Um, I'm wondering, has anybody been through this? He's unwilling to move out of the house and insists he isn't doing drugs. I've had num- I have numerous positive drug tests. Uh, I've read messages to dealers. He has all of the symptoms, anger outbursts, or angry outbursts, sniffing, bleeding nose. He tried to convince me I'm crazy. He tried to convince me that I'm irrational. At this stage, I want him out. I feel like I cannot offer any more help and support. I've come to the conclusion that he doesn't want to stop. Should I go to a solicitor, the guards, mediation service for separation? I know I will need to start minding money as I'm facing becoming a single mother, probably without financial support from him, but I understand I have to get out of this for the sake of my children. I look forward to hearing any advice people might have. Your podcast has kept me going during the nights. I lay in bed worrying about my situation. So that was the email and and I was, you know, people were saying, get out, get out, get out. And I was asking, you know, is it the time to get out or is, is there any part of this man that you still actually love? and would like to get back. But she does say at this stage, I want him out. Um, Vicky Buckley from Buckley Law Solicitors specializes in family law uh, and and divorce uh, and has some very good advice to offer on this um, and for anybody else who might be in similar situations. Vicky, good morning. Good morning, how are you doing? I'm good. Did, did you hear me read that or how did you come across it? Did we send it to you? I'm just curious. No, well, I actually heard it on Monday. I was coming out of court myself, and I did hear it. Good, okay. Because um, so, your automatic reaction is, get a protection order. Straight to a protection order, really? Okay, so I suppose, look, um, with regard to, to this, this lady, um, she's halfway there herself, because she's actually written down that this behaviour is not acceptable. Okay, like, so, without realising it, she's actually super strong and is halfway there towards being able to, to do something to better the situation, mm. you know? Mm. So, she, like, she has to she has to take that as, as a really, really good thing. Um, okay, so, look, nobody has to live in fear in their home. There is protections there for it. Um, the court is open 
you know, every day for people to come in and apply for a protection order. Now, you can stay in the same house as somebody with a protection order, but it just slaps manners on them. Because, and we've spoken about this before, there's a huge awareness between the court services practitioners, <coughs> excuse me, and the guardie, um, where there is an order made by, by the court. So if a judge if a judge got the email, say for instance, that I have in front of me, he or she would give a protection order on the basis of that email, is it? No, she'd go in she has to go in, like, you have to go in. Yeah, no, I'm saying if that yeah. was the evidence given in oh, court. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. If if she gave that evidence, um the court has to cannot cannot leave somebody in a house where such elements of danger and out of control behaviour is existing for another adult but also because there's children there now if the evidence is strong enough the court can say no do you know what we're giving you a barring order now that's very much dependent on each case but they're the protections that are there and this behaviour by this chap, and I know he's an addict, and I know that, that that's a situation that, you know, he'll have to, to sort out himself. But she doesn't have to deal with that. She doesn't have to do that. She can go in, she can make her application to the courts, and she can get, um, after the evidence is heard, um, you know, the court will consider it. And, you know, if they, if they do consider it, Neil, they will give the protection order. And if that's breached, he will be arrested and immediately removed from that house. And is this the time to do that? I mean, is all is all it's gone beyond all and negotiations or, or sitting them down and saying, I will go to court, I will get a protection order, yeah. or I will get a bar- barring order if you don't stop. That's gone now, is it? Well, well, funny, I, I do think there's two things here. One, I do think, and, and some people say it's a bit of a buzzword at the minute, right? There is a definite element of course of control going on by him to her. Okay? What's that? Um, so that's where there's kind of, it's not physical abuse per se, but it would be a lot of emotional and abuse and intimidation and bullying, you know, by reason of, of him trying to control everything that she's doing. Okay? The mood swings, she says, the anger, the lack of financial support indicates that exactly. she's carrying all of the debt. Bills. Listen, that's that. They they are they are box ticking for what is source of control, right? Yeah. It's absolutely. But she still needs to remember that she's actually stronger than she thinks because she's recognised it. So two things: one, there was the element of course of control on that, and the other thing, which was interesting, she did say is, should she go to mediation? Now, again, like that's emotions. Do you know what I mean? And I've said it before: people go out and they fall in love and they meet people, and you know, you don't want to be in this situation. Nobody plans this. Um, but with regards to the fact that he is now um, a functioning addict, as she has described him, um, I'm not sure is, is mediation going to be as effective as it could be. Do you know what I mean? Because mediation would do what? Both would sit down with a counsellor, is it? Both would sit down with, with, um, with an accredited mediator. So they would have, they would have studied um, for a long time with regards to you know, how to resolve a situation without perhaps going to court. It doesn't work all the time. Um, the courts are very encouraging of it um, because it does take that whole, you know, fighty kind of antagonistic, let's go to court and, and stand it yeah. outside. But sure, any mediation would say you that know. he has to go to rehab, wouldn't it? He does. I yeah. mean, that's the first step. And so. she has already asked him to move out and he's refused. So with regards to moving out, if she's at risk, again, the domestic violence orders that can be sought in the court, one of which is a barring order. And if she presents sufficient evidence, and sounds very solicitory now, doesn't it? But if she presents enough evidence to the court, where the court will then consider her and or her children to be at risk from this person, they can make an application for a barring order. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. But, so, so she's I mean, not. He's all. The course of control involves him 
trying to convince her that she's crazy, that she's irrational, that there's something wrong with her. So that's their classic signs, are they? Absolute coercive control. And you know, some people kind of think, oh, this is a new word now that's being banned. It's actually not. It's just putting a, a factual title on something that's been around for a very long time. Um, and the courts are very aware of coercive control. It, like, it doesn't have to be, you know, physical abuse. I don't want to sound flippant about it, categorizing types of abuse, but they are now very much aware of the element of emotional abuse and bullying and holding back money and, you know, telling you saying, you're mad. It's nothing to do with me. It's, it's you. And, you know, you what's ga- what, when, when people use terms like... Uh, I remember seeing the film many years ago, the old black and white. When they talk about gaslighting, what, what do they mean? Funny, that's, that's another one now that's up to last. And I actually only spoke to a colleague about it recently. And that is somebody who is saying things to you like, you're mad. You know, you're losing it. Um, that never, that, you know, that, so what they're doing is they're creating an illusion of an existence that you're in, which isn't actually there at all. So it's, it's, it's them creating something that you're in a sort of a state of mind that you're not. But then you start to believe it bit by bit because, you know, your confidence goes down and you're saying, well, maybe. So gaslighting, course of control, all of these. These are very strong people who generally are trying to hide whatever they're going through themselves and taking it out on the, on the, on the, the softer, more loving person in the relationship. And it involves constantly being criticised. There was an earlier email that I read out and it was, there was a powerful line in it. Um, to empower women, she said, you can fill the dishwasher the right way. It can be these kind of things, can't it? Like that you can oh, do nothing, you yeah. can do nothing right. You're stupid. You're thick. She said, he said that she was fat, that she was ugly, yeah. that she was worthless. That's, that, that email was actually quite powerful um, with, with regards to, to, to women hearing things like that on our men. Our men, exactly. Yeah, because it can, can occur as well. You uh, know? Undoubtedly, it can, um, yes, yes. You know, yes. Um, and, and, but th- what she had said in the context of what's being said to, to people, like, you know, you didn't stack the dishwasher properly. You're stupid. Who can't stack a dishwasher? You know, all of these criticisms. Everyone is human. And if you hear things enough, Neil, people start to believe it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, that, that, that's kind of one side of things. But from the other side of things, then, where, where we'd actually get involved more so would be, I mean, that, that definite emotional, you know, relationship breakdown. But with regards to the domestic violence element of it, then when it's stepped up another bit, you know what I mean? And it's full intense course of control and you've no money. Um, you know, you don't know if the, if the bills have been paid or have you got enough money to do that. And then, you know, the controlling element gets worse and worse. And when and it gets worse and worse, can a situation like this, as described by her, lead to physical violence ultimately somewhere down the track? I suppose, yeah, look, I mean, in my experience, I wouldn't be qualified enough to, to categorically state it, but I suppose in my experience, you know, once one of the parties in a situation starts to get a bit of power, um, you know, it goes from this, uh, you know, kind of emotional banging your finger on the door, little things start to creep in because it's power. Do you know, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. So when somebody thinks they might have a little bit, my experience is, while they'd be cute with regards to, you know, not causing any physical injuries to somebody, be it man or woman now, um, you know, they'll start then to up the game another small bit. So but she's but she's listening right now. She may not be listening live. She could be listening to the repeat overnight because she can't sleep or she could be listening to the podcast. Talk to her directly then. Well, I, I suppose it's what I started off with. I think she doesn't, she's underestimated herself with regards to her ability to be able to have the strength to do what's right. I think she knows what she needs to do. 
um, she can come and talk to me or any of my colleagues and we, we will point her in straight away in the right direction with regards to court protection for any domestic violence issues. She also has to consider if he goes or if the court makes him go um, that she can make an application for maintenance to the court um, so that she will have some money. Um, so that might take a little bit more of a, of, of a need of her mind in that respect. But I think the bottom line is is what she said in her email, Neil. It's unacceptable. Okay. And that applies to anyone in that situation. And I would have said it before. Reach out. Talk to your friend. Talk to your, you know, trusting person. And don't don't think it's acceptable because it's actually not. It is not acceptable and you know if things escalate to the point where you do need to go to court they're very empathetic towards it it's very discreet it's very respectful good stuff pre- okay. you know okay. well so well there is hard. one child and, and, and a second on the way I'll tell you what I'm going to do buckleylawsolicitors.ie is your web address I would encourage her to get directly in contact with your good self Vicky and see what becomes of it is that okay that's absolutely no problem, Neil. Okay, okay. Yeah, and, no can, and just and just before you go, the last twenty months must have been hell for an awful lot more people than say before we went into lockdown, before we went into people in unhappy marriages who could get out for some periods of time. They must have found it very difficult over the past twenty months or so. Oh yeah, and I'm actually on my way into court there now, so I don't have the statistics with me. But there is a huge increase in um, the percentage increase with regards to complaints of domestic violence. And what's more worrying is, right, so when the court makes an order for protection order or a safety order or a bearing order, okay, if you breach that order, then it becomes a criminal issue. And the most alarming thing of all of this is that the DPP have seen, I think, upward on a 60% increase in breaches of domestic violence orders. In the recent times, is it? Since the COVID. Yeah, since the COVID. It's, it's quite stark, the amount of breaches of the order. But at least, I mean, you know, but COVID as well might be the final straw for many people, whether they're male or female partners who have just decided that because of what happened during COVID, I'm not taking this anymore. Oh, absolutely. I mean, w- one side of it is that people were stuck in a house together 24-7. And like I would have said to you before, sure, they mightn't have known each other properly for the past 10 years with the comings and goings and kids and training and ponies yes. and whatever you're doing yeah. yourself. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they're breathing in the same room as them 24-7. That's not normal. But like that's the kind of, we need to readjust and reassess side of things. But then you did have a very, very serious situation. And I'm not, not trivialising this for one bit. It's quite serious. People had no out. They had, they were living with addicts that, that were, you know, drinking or doing drugs in their own house. They were gambling. There was no relief at all for people. They couldn't so much as maybe even go to the garden station or go to the school no, or go to their GP. So they were really stuck in it. Um, and, you know, I mean, we're, we're, the courts are busy. The courts are busy. But, you know, thankfully now, at least people are more aware. It's more discussed. It's more talked about. I know I'm, I'm very involved in the community at home where I am. And, and you know, it's, it's the whole community can talk about things now in general as a country, you know. Okay. Um, it's, it's not a hidden topic. But I say to, to people, reach out. It's not acceptable, as that lady has said. It's okay. just not. I'll let you get back into court and, and hopefully you will expect Thanks, some contact from her. Vicky, it's great to have you in the end of the phone all the time like this. I really do appreciate no it. Thank you so much. No bother. Take Thank care you. yourself. Bye. Vicky Buckley from buckleylawsolicitors.ie. I hope that helps to uh, this lady who got in touch with me. I hope you feel some relief. At least there is some kind of a path ahead now, should you choose to 
um, make that call. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Thanks to Connor who got in touch with the guards of the crash in Cathedral Road. Cathedral Road has been closed now and traffic is being diverted up Fair Hill direction following that uh, road collision. So do bear that in mind. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Officially Ireland's music station of the year. This is Cork's Red FM. Very good, Neil. You might consider a plug if you don't mind. Always, always happy to give plugs for the Cork Lions Club. They're having a charity fundraiser and the Lions Club are running a drive-in bingo in the car park at uh, Curraheen Greyhound Stadium on Sunday. All right, this coming Sunday. Now, the gate's open for the drive-in bingo at 2 o'clock and it starts, they'll start calling at 3 o'clock. And all charities have been badly hit due to COVID. And this is their first fundraiser this year, so a mention would be greatly appreciated. Hope you're keeping well, Martin, and everybody at the Cork Lions Club. So this coming Sunday afternoon, a drive-in bingo at the Curraheen Greyhound Stadium. Gates at two, books and calling at three. All proceeds to the Lions Club. That sounds like a, a fun way to spend the afternoon. Lines are open at one 106 Lots and lots of texts and emails and different topics of conversation. Um, can I also say that, thank you so much, Lana O'Connor got in touch with me saying that uh, with regards to that road traffic incident in Cathedral Road, she says two people have been taken to hospital after a car overturned on Cathedral Road in Cork City. So two have been taken from the vehicle, taken to hospital. I can tell you that three units of the Cork City Fire Service, along with Gardaí and emergency personnel, responded to the incident just after 10 this morning at the bottom of Cathedral Road. And the road's been closed off now as far as Gronabarra Road and diversions are in operation and two people taken to hospital after that incident. And, and it really hits home to you. When you see the video footage, when you see the photographs um, of, of, an, of accidents or crashes or collisions like that, uh, this it was very bad, uh, very bad, looked very bad. So I hope that they'll be okay. Uh, they're in good hands. Right. Um, can I give out a couple of um, very important helpline numbers because of some of the conversations we've had this morning? Uh, the uh, one-stop shop, OSS, which is the service provided by Mary Crilly and her good people, they're on 4222979. So that's 4222979. The Sexual Violence Centre in Cork has a 1 800 number, 496 496. 1 800 496 496. But with regards to the conversation with Stephen earlier, who came across your man in Douglas attacking his partner in the bus shelter at half past one in the morning. Gemma says that poor child, because he had a child in his arms, small little baby. Poor child must be terrified. I hope that woman sees sense and keeps her and her daughter safe from violence. Well done to Stephen who helped and flagged down the guards. Philomena says, well done. There may, there's not many would intervene in an argument between couples. I pity the poor innocent child. A lot of people are saying that incidentally. Fiona says, well done, Stephen. You may have saved her life. We don't know, but everyone is con- connected anyway. So if we watch out for all our children, we're all doing our jobs on this earth. Evil grows because people look the other way. I don't know what the guards did uh, after that incident at half past one in the morning, whether he, whether they left him and her and the child all go home together. I, I don't know. It's an incomplete story. Bottom line, it's always dodgy to get involved in a couple having a fight, I can tell you, as the white knight approaches in shining armour and you could get a kicking from both parties. Thank you, Michael. That is always a risk. I know that. But what else are you going to do when you see something like that happen? You have to do something 
if nothing, just shout at least. Uh, well done. I'm glad you didn't intervene, though, as you could have been a victim yourself. But thank God the guards were passing. Julie says, I agree with Neil. It would tear me up inside wondering if she was okay after the incident. I would definitely contact the guards and request a follow-up. I wonder why Stephen's details weren't taken as a witness. Um, Paul suggests that some people should just not be parents. The poor child, what kind of role models? And Ashleen says, fair play to this man for trying to intervene when many would turn a blind eye to this. And oh, the poor child, I hope both of them are okay and this fellow is charged with what he's done to both of them. Uh, a lot of the time that would be down to as to whether or not his partner would wish to actually file and proceed with charges. Lines open at one 104 106 On the way, uh, I told you about that conversation with Karum, who was through the horrors over the past year. Um, uh, it, it, he, he actually tells the story much better than I could do, but I can tell you one thing. If you Google his name, you will see quite an amount of court reports about him going to court for an allegation of um, falsely claiming pop payments. You see very, very little of the fact that um, that he was cleared and charges were dropped, I can tell you. Hi, Kareem. Hi, Neil. How are you doing? Thank you so much Thanks. for t- taking the call. Listen, um, it, it's all about being fair and open and balanced in all news reporting. And, and you feel as if you've been dealt a, a bad blow because you were originally charged with um, 20 charges of pop theft, wasn't it? Pandemic unemployment exactly. payment theft. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And this week, or at least the back end of last week, you were cleared. All of the charges were withdrawn. Yeah, withdrawn from the guards. Okay, can, can, you, can, you, can we wind the clock back to when all of this started? What happened? Sir, actually, I was last year in my home country in Pakistan, and then the covert things come out. So I didn't know that, no, okay, I is able to get this payment. I apply from Pakistan because I'm stuck over there with my family. I have two childs, uh, my four-year-old daughter and three-year-old my son. I'm stuck over there. I get to apply the payment. So I get some payment in my account. So, so you applied You me. applied in Pakistan. You are, I in the Pakistan. You are an Irish citizen with an Irish passport. I, yeah, exactly. I'm living 17 years in Cork myself and uh, always in Cork. I never get any benefit in my life at all. You have always so worked. I just, I just stuck over there, you no, know, and some of my friends give me advice. Can you apply that? Because they want to come back. So I get this payment in Pakistan and I try to come back again, but I never get the flights. You were stuck so in Pakistan because of flights I, and COVID. Okay. And last year, I got approval for my family visa. So we came here with my family on 23rd of September to Ireland. Who traveled, Karam? Your wife and your two children? My wife, my, my wife and my two children. When I came here, so my taxi license is already expired for two months ago. So I called to the immigration officer in Bandon to make appointment stand to visa my family. Immigration uh, yeah, immigration officer. I want to renew my license also, go back to the normal life. So I give to them everything and they never reply me. And after a few weeks, they was coming to my home. Is the COVID things going on that time? It's level five, you know, nobody yeah. visiting home. Yeah. But immigration officer with the revenue woman come to my home and asking me cross question, you know. And then I would try to call to the PSV officer. Can you give me the, my license? No, because I very struck for the money and I need my license back and go back to normal. Yes. 
support your family. He was saying, okay, you go to the change your driving license also. We can issue the license on BNB. Like, they was wasting my time now for five, six months. And then this happened all starting from on, in, in October 2020. But when, when did uh, the Gardaí get involved? I don't understand at all why they are involved for that things. I am not sure. I was shocking one day morning. They locked in the door in the morning, eight o'clock, and they arrest me in front of my child. I told you why are you arresting me. He told me you for for fraud case. Anyway, go with them. I be nicely because I don't know what's going on. When he went to the guard station, they saw that no, you took the payment in Pakistan. I told you, yeah, I took that. No. But if somebody contact with me, I don't know. I have to give back this payment because I never do any benefit in my life. Okay. All the time I'm working. Okay. So I don't know. I have to give back this payment. I'm agreed. So I took this money because I'm in outside the country. I'm stuck over there with my family. But there's a farm right over there for the living. So my living is Ireland. I pay in the tax here. My life is all here. They was cross-questioning me with me four or five hours over there. You the were questioned for four or five hours in the guard station. Garda Station Bandon, yeah. They're arresting me over there, putting me in the prison also for the few hours, you know. In my mm-hmm. life, I never, I never in happened like this. In a cell? It's a shock for me and my family also. And then they were putting the charges for me, 21 theft payment and the fraud. Okay, so it was and 21 they, charges of pop theft, totaling 6,650 euro, where they claimed that you applied for the pub payment and got the pub payment while living in Pakistan. Were they aware aware at the time that you were an Irish citizen with an Irish passport that you had worked for how many years here? There's 17 years I'm living in Cork, just in Cork, myself all the time. Paying tax. And were you very upset and worried in that guard station? Exactly, I'm very worried about that. Like, what's going on with me and what's happened? And I feel ashamed myself, but I did myself know. But I told you, you make me the criminal today. But they was uh, uh, asking me, okay, we just relieved no for the bail condition and you have a next day on the court. So I talk, I have talked to the one solicitor in Graham Heights in Cork City Center. Is uh, Graham is sitting on the nearby the courthouse. So I spoke to them you know, for next day. He told me, yeah. We go for that date and we see what's going on. And when we go to the present for the that day on 16th of April, it's all media over there, everybody over there. I discover my face and I was feel ashamed myself okay, what I did. Even I have to look in the house on the Cork City and there was landlord refused the house also. They never gave me back because he said that okay, you have a name in the newspaper. Okay, because of your appearance at Bandon District Court in... March and in April, all of the yeah. media were there filming all you, photographing you. And if you Google your name, your photograph comes up at and the court with. And if you put, if you, yeah, if you put my name in the Google, like Huram Chima, so you can see the, all the photographs. And you are trying to cover. You are trying to cover your face. Exactly, because I have a two small kids, you know, and it's very bad image for my child and family also. My wife, she is a teacher in Pakistan, and she left a very good job to came here for our further future, you know. And this is a starting way, it's very bad for us. Like, Are people like treating you differently since the charge? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I need. And that was uh, happened for me, and that day, first day in the court, 
the guards give me also letter from my uh, from taxi license give we refused your taxi license we never give you your taxi license at all i don't understand like 6 7 months they are just only just waste my time they checking my account they check everything no even they asking me uh, the judge said that no you are in curfew uh, every night 10 o'clock to morning Five o'clock, you should be home every day. Uh, you were under curfew for many months, and did you have to surrender yeah, no. your passport? I do. I surrender my all passport over there. Okay. I never travel. And you were, uh, in, and then in court last Thursday. Um, yeah. What happened at Bandon Court? My solicitor sent an email now for. Uh, the guardian and the head also in that case is not right you have to withdraw the case you know what reason was the charge withdrawn are the 21 charges was it because you were entitled to the money yeah i, I think so no, i got the money also i'm not sure but uh, dpd department saying that no okay, we never like a lot of people is also the country there's a few example also months ago in the case in high court you know Yes. There was some legal challenges in the high court this year of people who had challenged the pop payment uh, because they were getting it overseas, yes, and it was found to be okay. Exactly, exactly. And second thing also they was never contact me before like you have on me any money, you have no. contact them. They come in state where arrest me, you know. And they investigation my case for 6 months they check my bank details, everything, you know. and after we requesting two months ago okay, can you please the free sugar fuel because i'm sick of that every night they was coming when i'm sleeping with my child my child say that who's daddy over there so that was our uncle guard's uncle no we have to say hi for them you know would the guards call every day to check you were in every every day every day 12 o'clock 1 o'clock just wake me up and check that where i am mm. for three months neil all the point is that no because i'm believing myself as a good citizen here and i don't know i did wrong or bad but they destroy my self respect front of my children newspaper everywhere i very disappointing myself they was what I have to do like you know because you living honestly here and you pay all your taxes no never did anything wrong in I your know. life I know. and i don't know why they try to destroy me and still i was looking for my taxi license no you know and i have a date in court again on 4th of november but surely the guardy who stopped at the last time must allow you to get your taxi license back now they must we never know sir we try to call my solicitor try to contact them no but we still have a date in court so but they never allow me but they must allow you to have a livelihood to support your children yeah that's the point Were you very worried throughout this period? I know you felt ashamed, you said, but were you very worried that you might go to jail? Yeah, like I'm very worried I'd go to the jail no worse about my children future, you know. I have to came here to live with my children and when I like this kind of stuff coming off you for the newspaper you go to the jail no I know I couldn't go to the jail for this stuff because I know that this is a not a big amount if you see the history in Ireland people like fraud a lot there no but they was paying back you know for me small things no because I, if they are saying you have to give the money back so I say okay give me my license so I give you slowly slowly back this money well you don't have if to you, you don't have to give the money back you don't owe any money you've 
been entitled to it and you paid your taxes for it. And if you look, if you look at the newspaper reports now, there are many other people who have been charged, a lot of them Irish, a lot of them from overseas, and they're all going through the courts at the moment as well uh, with regards to pop payments. And you're in the middle of them. Um, all of the other stories about you are still up there. Does that concern you? Yeah, I know that, like, the fast way courier where I'm working myself, they was fire me straight away. They say that no, we don't need any name from newspaper. They have a right also because they don't want any name for the newspaper. So the job that you had, the courier job, you were, you were let go? Yeah, yeah, they let go of me. If you don't come to work tomorrow because we don't want to any name because you are in the case in the court, for fraud case in court. Oh my God! You have paid a huge price for so, the, exactly the guards exactly. withdrawing charges. What do you want to happen next? You want to get your license back and get your life back and your exactly. family life exactly. to be happy again. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's why I need my license back. You no, know, back to my family life. You no, know, I give to the provide for the good food. You no, know, and everything. Believe me, Neil, it's a bad time for me. Sometimes I don't have the money to buy the milk also in my pocket for my family. How can you survive with the part-time working? You know, if government yes. never support you, even nothing. I know, I know. So, I know you found it all really very unfair. Um, you think people may have had a very bad image of you at the time, and that, that obviously hurt you. My wife, she was a depression. You know, she was taking every second day for the medicine for the blood pressure, you know. Did anybody apologize, or was there an apology necessary or anything like that? Nothing, sir. Nothing happened. Nothing apologized, even ever since we lost some of in the court, you no. Know. And uh, they just say that, no, you leave for this court, you can go home. That's all. Nobody apologized for me at all. And when will you go back to court to fight for your license? I have a date in court of 4th of November. I hope it works out for you. I really do. Yeah, I hope so, Neil. I hope so, that, no. It's, and it's a very painful time for me. That's why I'm coming to the, your show. Thanks to you. I invite them tell the story because I just want to... That the system no, every system will be. We are appreciate over there for the system what they done, but sometimes they destroy the life no. Well, hopefully it'll just be a distant memory soon, and you'll get your full life back together again. Thank you so much for sharing, Karam. Um, no, but it's important that people should know both sides, the start, middle, and finish of every story. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Neil. Thanks a lot. Talk to Neil Prinderville now. 1850104106. Red FM. And you can text 0868104106 and I'll get more texts on different topics in a few minutes' time. But I'm mad keen to talk with John Mallon from Forest Island, that Ireland. That's the smokers' rights group that John represents because there's a tweet doing the rounds actually from a, a counsellor, uh, Erica Doyle, who says, it may well be an unpopular opinion, but she says, I stand by it. Smoking should be banned in all outdoor areas. That's coming now off the back of the, the summer, I suppose. And, you know, and still as, as we, a situation we find ourselves in now where people are dining much more outdoors and mixing outdoors. So a lot of your restaurants and your pubs are doing the outdoor dining and I'm curious as to whether you guys have experienced it. I mean, I have. It was quite novel because, uh, you know, you'd normally be, say, indoors most of the time but uh, I remember a couple of weeks back being in I think it was out in Douglas, it may have been down in Barry's or something, having dinner and before you, before you know it 
you're all of a sudden you're having your dinner and you smell cigarette smoke and that's something we wouldn't have been used to for a long long time but of course because it's outdoors the scenario is entirely different now and I'm just wondering what John makes of that tweet and as to whether there's any uh, any sense or any kind of point of view that should be taken seriously in it John good morning Hey, good morning, Chenille. What do you make of that? Um, because everybody's mixing again outdoors, so it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, well, I think probably the most important point to make first is that the the, the original smoking ban on, in an indoor setting, and it was all indoor setting, yeah. uh, was based. It was evidence based. It was based on the idea that smoking gets trapped in an indoor place, and if you know ventilation, it yeah. could prove harmful to those around it. And on that basis, it was banned. So that's what you call an evidence-based ban. But the non-smokers have moved outdoors now for dining, you see. (laughs) You see, the difficulty is that in an outdoor... Well, first of all, with the ban, one problem we had was that it was absolute. There could be no catering for smokers at all. You couldn't have a shed outside with a covered roof. Uh, That wasn't permitted. There could be no catering for smokers. They had to go away. Uh, and that was an awful way to deal with things in an inclusive society. We include, we're, want, we're trying to include everybody, and, and suddenly we're making an exception of 800,000 to a million Irish people. Uh, they have to go away. Um, you see, if, if a thing isn't evidence-based, then what Erica is giving us is an opinion-based. I want it banned because I don't like it. So I'm going to use my place as a public representative and lobby my friends, uh, I, I, my fellow politicians, and get them to introduce the ban. That's what that is saying. Uh, and I think it's very intolerant. Uh, it shows a certain uh, entitlement attitude on her part. Uh, the, the reality is... But maybe smoking in the open air may not be as much of a health risk, but for non-smokers, it, 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 they don't like it. They, they, they're not happy to be around it when they're having dinner or having lunch or something. Whereas, well, and, and before, see, they wouldn't have been around it. Well, that, that's, that's an opinion, uh, Neil, and they're, certainly they're entitled to the opinion. But uh, smokers have, have had the opinion for, for ages that they shouldn't be excluded. Their money's as good as anybody else and they should be catered for. Uh, and that wasn't permitted. They were told to go away. So, you, I mean, you could, I suppose, realistically say, well, a smoker's doing no harm if he lights a fag, and if you don't like it, you go away for change. <laughs> but, I, but see, that doesn't work either. So the, the reality is what we need to do is have tolerance and try to cater for, for each party. The publicans have been closed. The restaurateurs have been closed for 18 months. They're trying to get rebuild their business now, a fairly shattered business at this stage. And to, to immediately insist that, that anywhere between a quarter and a third of the population be excluded from going uh, is idiotic, to say the very least. But certainly... We also would look at it and say that a smoker should consider the people around them. If you're going to the pub uh, for, for a smoke and you go outside and there are people eating, well, don't smoke around them. That, that makes sense. No, it's, like but, it. they, but the smokers could be sitting and eating themselves and lighting up after their dinner well, next to others dinner, around them who wouldn't, exactly. well, normally would never want to be around that scenario. Which is fine. So what you do in that scenario is you say to the, the, and it should have been done day one anyway, you say to the restaurateur or the publican, if you wish to to cater for your smokers, please create a separate area where they can peacefully go and have a cigarette after their food. And that is no problem in the public. So you'd accept that they shouldn't smoke a fag at the table at lunch or dinner then? Well, yeah, well, the, the, I would say that if there are people around you that don't like it, ideally you shouldn't. You, you're entitled to, uh, you're not breaking any laws, but ideally you shouldn't. So what you do really so that, so that everyone is catered for, you let the publican or the, or the restaurateur create an area outside where the smoker can go in peace and have a smoke and come back in and join the company again. That, that makes absolute sense. 
It's a tolerant, inclusive society. It's a society where we don't have to have conflict, where we don't have to have one uh, person in the community deciding to ban a whole bunch of other people in the community. But let's all work together. And Did you respond to her, t- her tweet, incidentally? Because that's all she said. Uh, smoking should be banned in all outdoor dining areas. I'm just wondering as to why she said that. Uh, what motivated it? She, what, what actually happened, she, she went to a restaurant with her daughter uh, one morning in, I think it was Bray or Dunleary, one of these places, and they sat outside and they ordered something to eat. And while they were eating, a guy came in or a girl came in uh, with a newspaper and a, and a drink or a coffee and sat down and lit up a cigarette, which they're entitled to do. They're not breaking any law. They're in the outdoors. And, you know, you could make the point that she had the, the, she had the choice of taking her food indoors. The smoker didn't have the choice. Of but did the smoker have the choice to go to another table of away from where the child was sitting, maybe, on her. Absolutely. Now, you see, in, when I suggest to you that the public and the restaurateur be allowed to make up their own mind, there will be a lot of them either that don't want to cater for smokers, and they're entitled to do that, or can't. They, they literally, they're landlocked, they don't have the opportunity, they don't have a place. I spoke to a woman on the radio yesterday, another station, who had a restaurant with three tables outside, and she didn't have the facilities to cater for both parties. And that's quite understandable. You know, when the smoking ban itself came in, there were, there were pubs in, in, uh, in, in Holland and in Germany um, that were allowed put up by law, were allowed put up a sign outside that say they allowed smoking. And if you walk past and you, you were going in for, you decided to go in for a drink, you'd see that. Oh yeah, outdoors, out, outdoors was, was fine. It wasn't, it no, wasn't. No, that big... was indoors. Oh, so they were... to, the, but, it, but all they were saying was, we permit smoking, and if you don't like that, don't come in here. And then, you know, two-thirds of the population didn't smoke, so two-thirds of the pub ended up being non-smoking. But do you and see, everyone was catered for now. That's the, that's the point. Yeah, yeah. I, but I, I can, can understand somebody who might be spending good money and really mightn't t- particularly have an issue with people who smoke, but not while they're actually eating. You know? yeah, absolutely, and that's fine. And I, but I take that, and that's a very reasonable point to make. So what you do is you cater for both parties by separating them, by telling the smoker there is a place for you, it's just nice, it's over there, it's around the side of the building, or wherever. Uh, if, if you're it's, usually not the, it's, the, it's usually not the nicest place, though, is it? <laughs> well, well, you see... We, we, it's usually near the kegs or the bottle room or where the bins yeah, are or something. When we talk about opposing a ban in the outdoors, we really are talking about opposing a ban in a drinking area. Now, if you think about at night time, you know, that the side of Reardon's there isn't really a big eating area. It's a lovely drinking area and the place is packed. Now, everyone smokes out there. Well, non-smokers obviously don't. And, and, and it isn't a problem because they're all drinking. Food is a different matter. Totally. And, yeah. And it should be, I think it should be looked at separately. So if you've got a smoker that's having, uh, having a meal, let them sit down and have their meal. But if they want to smoke, they have to leave the table and go to a place where they can do that. Yeah. And if there's a place provided, that's grand. If, you're ta- if, they, if they're saying, look, go out on the street and stand uh, 50 feet away from our front door, that's wrong. That's, that's not catering for well, why not? Why not say, okay, you're having a meal and you're a smoker. When you're finished your meal, please do not smoke at the table. There are non-smokers around you. Get up and go to a smoking designated zone. Have the fag and then come back to your table. Where are the smoking designated zones, Niall? You know, like, there aren't any, you know, the smoking designated zones were supposed to be there. They don't exist. There's very, very few pubs now have even a place you can smoke. Very few restaurants uh, that I know of. There is one close by me here, but there are very few that I know of. So leave, leave the restaurant property, leave the footprint of the building. I mean, 
Well, really, what you're saying is don't come to the footprint of the building. You know, you you can come and eat here, but you can't. No, no, no. Go go somewhere else because it's bad for your health. Some might say if you want to go and kill yourself, do it somewhere else. <laughs> that's a lovely that's a lovely Christian charitable way of putting things but I mean they're not no, no, but, they're not, but sure, they're not good for you ultimately like anyway. no they're not but if, it's, if, if, if somebody wants to smoke they'll do so and, and if, if you're a Republican and you have a, you're, you have a property where you're in a position to offer uh, a cater for do smokers so, yeah. as well as non-smokers then do so by all means if you're not then say so, and then smokers will avoid you. The, the woman I spoke to yesterday with the three tables didn't want to refuse smokers. And she, she mentioned that sometimes in the morning, uh, somebody would pop in at the table, uh, at one of the tables, and there'd be only one customer there and would be very quiet, so they'd light up a fag with their coffee, and she said she didn't stop that. Yeah. And, now, and that makes sense. I wonder do more and more smokers now have the fear when they light up, you know, in, in situations like that where they... They really want to have the fag, but they know that you're going to get dirty looks. That was dirty looks. The, the, that's just somebody sitting beside you being judgmental. But but in the event, uh, if it does bother people, then I do think that that common sense and tolerance can prevail, and both parties can be catered for. It may limit the amount of places smokers can go. You may discover there that that eighty percent of the restaurants say, "Grand, we don't have any smokers coming here." Oh, that's grand. They'll take the money elsewhere. But their money's as good as anybody else's, and they're not breaking the law. Yeah, it's about the fag smoke wafting across the front of their noses and into the food of other people, you know. That, would, that wouldn't bother a smoker, would it? No, not really. Although, by the same token, I, I, you know, when it, I, I gave up smoking. But I still oh, yes, I remember you told me that. Yeah, you did. Yeah. 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 But I do, I do, I meet smokers regularly and I do stand and I can smell the smoke and I think it's lovely. Now, a lot of people hate it. But I if you're having a steak now, for instance, or a pasta... No, but that's what I was about to say. If I were sitting down now, I wouldn't want somebody smoking at the table with me. I wouldn't mind when I was finished my meal, but not while I'm having it. So I understand. That's, that's my personal view. Uh, so I understand people's objection to it. But like I say, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, if there was a nice place that a smoker could go and sit under a shelter and have a quiet smoke, two or three of them go and have a chat, it's very pleasant, it's very relaxing. They come back to the table when they're finished. Nobody is bothered. But but the fact that, that there's no attempt to cater for smokers leaves them stuck. They pay their money, they get their drink and their coffee, they sit down, they want to have a smoke with it. That's quite common. And then yeah. people don't like it. Well, the way to, the answer to that is not to ban it or not to ban them. The answer to it is try to provide for them and understand them. Well said. Let's get the, that's the, get the thoughts of people who are listening to this conversation, see what they make of it. But thanks for taking the call, John. Appreciate Thank it. You, Thank you very much. John Mallon with Forrest. Your thoughts are welcome on smokers, non-smokers, smoking areas and the great outdoors text 0868104106 pick up the phone on 1850104106 The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM Our phone lines remain open after midday 1850104106 Actually talking about um, you know pubs or nightclubs or you know the extended opening hours an interesting text on that saying bars and nightclubs open till 5am you say well that's the proposal uh, you're going to be inundated with calls and texts about the trouble that this will all cause I hope the guardie will be out in force with breathalysers. Employers are going to have a hard time as well with absenteeism for sure in the workplace. And I thought you were saying that bars couldn't get enough staff for the normal shifts. It's all cod, cod's wallop. Um, yeah, I mean, where, where will they get the staff, I suppose, to work if it's going to be three o'clock, four o'clock and five o'clock in the morning? And will there be a knock-on issue with regards to people not being able to go to work or go to work and not being as productive as they normally would be? We shall see. Anyway, with regards to the smokers, Linus, good morning. 
Hi, good morning. Ian. And How you're you? talking as a, as a non-smoker, but does it bother you sitting next to somebody who's now smoking outdoors and you're trying to eat? No. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, it's like it's uh, uh, we have to stop this uh, culture of. Uh, one person doesn't like, so rest of them has to do the same way, like, you know. So, like, um, I never saw people smoking. Well, in she's entitled to her opinion. She went for a bit no, of no, some no, food I, I and she sat it. down at a table. Along comes a smoker with a coffee and she has a small child with her. And the smoker sits down and lights up the table next to them. Oh, yeah, I understand this. But, like, say, like, for instance, like, you know, now very popular marquees, you know, outside the restaurants and all this. I never saw in marquees anyone smoking because that's considered outdoor, but it's still kind of indoor, okay? Yeah. But, like, if, you, but if you're sitting on the table uh, outside, like, you know, on the lawn or, or on the terrace or something, like, you know, where it's wind coming from every side, like, you know, so... How that affects? Okay, maybe fumes a bit goes or so. But if he, if we go with this, let's say people don't like our families who comes with kids. Say couple come in for the nice romantic <laughs> dinner and the next door sit down table with the two screaming toddlers. Okay, uh, yeah, I know. So, I know. Are, are we gonna put a separate separate room for those people? Some non non drinking families sit down. So what's that? That's uh, just bad luck on you. Is if they happen to sit you next to three, two screaming babies. Babies. Yeah, Tough but, luck, but put they, up with it. You don't get a discount off your meal for it, like. I know, I understand completely. But, say, but it's, for instance, you're not drinking family, and uh, next door sit down a drinking family, and they don't want to see their kids as uh, adults drink wine or beer or something. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. that's a bit over the top if you're in a pub or a no, restaurant. No, type. I know, but but where we draw the line? Where we draw the line? No, but I often, we, but I often wonder. I understand. I've been there with screaming kids. I get it, like, and God knows we've all had to walk out of restaurants or pick up the child and take the child out for a while. But let's say somebody doesn't and the child is literally there, maybe in a high chair or whatever, screaming, screaming, hysterical, just a really, really loud crying child. And you have somebody paying good money next to them, right? It's not fair on the people who are trying to have a quiet meal. Sure, it's not. I understand. But at the same time, uh, those people with the screaming child uh, paying uh, maybe good money also. But... uh, a good parent would take a child, screaming child, would walk outside and try to come... And they, a lot of out. them do, in fairness, and you've yeah, your heart will be broken for... But not them, all of them, know. though. They give you the kind of look. I know, yeah, but, but at the same time, no, my point is... Maybe there should be a sealed stop. room. Or I, man, maybe I should shut up. <laughs> maybe. No, we have to stop segregating. We have to stop excluding people with the different opinions to different places, you know, because it's, we're going very, very much into segregation now, like, you know. Even smoke from cigarettes, which is bad for your health? I, but this is people's choice. You know, like, uh, it's a lot of things bad to your health. Drinking is bad to your health also. But we, we go to pubs and restaurants and, and everywhere, you know, and we have a glass of wine or, or pint of beer or Good something man. like, you know. Yeah. You know, and uh, so it's a lot of bad things is, uh, for you, you know. Uh, but yeah, but you're not I, affecting anybody by the glass of wine or the pint that you're having. Um, you, you, but you might get in the faulty mood or start argument or, or do something else like, you know, or something like, you know, it's possibilities. It's everything is possibility, you know. The whole point is that um, you, we, we just we just have opinions on too many things, is it? Yes. We should all mind our own business a bit more kind of thing. 
Yeah, I, I really, okay. I really would love people be more opinionated and uh, more uh, standing for the rights when it's the freedom to taken away. Okay, mm. okay. But Let me get another couple of calls on. Thanks for that, Linus. As always, Diana standing by. First up, Jim. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. What do you make of it? Old I smokers. I a big picture here. My wife is gone downtown, and she could come back now with a headache. With the new development in the restaurants and so forth outside the door, you know. In what way? With smokers, is it? Uh, they're on the main roads. It's on one them streets. You can be sitting down having a cup of coffee. The diesel fumes there alone and trucks and buses. Uh, if you want to have a smoke, you can do it socially. Walk away from the tables and go up the street. I know people that do that. They go outside the building. No problem. But as a gas food, I agree with that. No well, smoking, no smoking at tables where people eat yeah, food. But, uh, let's be honest, who do you see smoking now? Very few people. You can't do a rugby match, you can't do at a soccer match. Are you, but come here on, on a soccer And I tell you one thing, there was fellas getting up during the match and they were going for drink. No, they should ban that. If the game is under the concert design, people should be getting up to uh, get a drink. Uh, I think that's... Why does it affect? Is it affecting your enjoyment of an evening? Yeah, it would. Yeah. Oh, because they're getting you're in and out. They're getting in your way, and they're excuse me, please, and they're passing you with pints. Yeah, but uh, the same thing is happening. I'd rather I forget all the smoking. I'd rather about the the attitude today. Getting up in rugby matches, quarter through the match, and you're paying big money at a concert, going out for drink. You can go see the building for smoking. But as a girl, the new development, I know they're going to backfire on their health. All the fumes. You're sitting out in the curb of some streets having coffee or a sandwich. Do you know what I mean? With the Did petrol fumes and the diesel fumes and the cigarette smoke and all sorts of things. And she, does she come home with a headache? She does? Well, she comes home in that time. She had to do a shopping leg. I'd be better, but... She likes to get out of the house. We've been locked up for two years, right? She wants to get away from you for a couple of hours a day. The board of us went to go over on them, we can't go over. All right, let me get one or two more calls on. Thanks for that, Jim. Diana? Hi, Neil. How are you? Good. Uh, what do you make of all of this? Um, to be honest, Neil, I'm, I'm a non-smoker. And it does annoy me sometimes when I'm... Uh, outside having a cup of coffee with a friend and the table next door to us is a few smokers on it, which I'm not against. But uh, sometimes I wish that they would sit downwind of me. <laughs> You're being very <laughs> kind. It doesn't bother me, but I wish they'd go downwind. Exactly, <laughs> because they have the right to smoke. But, I mean, if we're outside, would it not be possible for to accommodate those who don't smoke by just downwind of me then they can do what they like put, it, put a weather vane so we know which way the wind is blowing something like that or have uh, tables designated smoking tables that when the when the uh, place is opening up first thing in the morning okay the wind is from the west <laughs> so we'll, we'll sit all the smokers down on the east side so that all the non-smokers who don't particularly want to be breathing cigarettes fumed up their nostril um, can avoid it quite easily <laughs> is it something you're noticing more now because of the outside dining well that's 
absolutely. I mean, but I mean, it was kind of, it was always kind of around anyway. But because um, whereas before you could sit inside and the smokers would go outside, yeah. and the occasional time if you're by window and the the breeze might blow the smoke in through the window. For They're a few still months. having an awful lot more fun, you know, the smokers outdoors in the smoking areas and the social areas at at weddings or nights out, or you see it in the city at late at night with the late pubs. That's where all the fun and the crack and the flirting is going on, you know, in the smoking areas. I'm told. Oh, yeah. They're having much more fun than non-smokers, apparently. <laughs> well, that's that's their prerogative. But I mean, I just think that look, you know, just to make life a little bit easier for us non-smokers who don't feel particularly like they want to breathe the second-hand smoke from the next-door neighbour, that maybe they could. Uh, you could go indoors, though, couldn't you? Leave the outdoors to the smokers. You can go in limited amounts indoors now if you're vaxxed. Well, now, 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 yes. But I mean, during the summer, or even the odd occasion, if it's a really warm day and you think, oh God, yeah, I'd love no, to no, no, no. On the warm, sunny days, you have to leave the outdoors and the and the sunshine to the smokers. <laughs> and that, that's not very fair on us <laughs> non-smokers. <then. laughs> All right, cheers. Have a good day. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Pick it up in the morning, particularly on uh, the subject of smoking and the outdoors. Your thoughts are welcome as a smoker or a non-smoker or an ex-smoker, any kind of smoker. Text 0868104106. But it's great to have arts and entertainments back and it's great to be calling things out. Lots and lots of gigs coming to Leaside. Theatres open and uh, I know there are some amounts of... uh, limited availability because of COVID restrictions and what have you but in spite of that the Cat Club the Cork Arts Theatre opens tonight and well oh, at the Cork, Cork Arts Theatre tonight Catty Barry Queen of the Cold K opens and if you love your culture if you love your city if you love your history and heritage and characters then you got to go and see it it opens tonight and runs until um, I think it runs up to around about the 2nd of October but somebody who does know is the director Marion Wyatt and she joins me by phone Marion good morning Good morning, Neil. Delighted to have arts and entertainment and drama back. So well done to you. Um, What's the plan? I mean, this is Catty Barry selling crew beans fairly bursting at the seams. Is it our life story? It is. Well, some of it is fictionalised because we obviously we had to pull it together in some shape or form. But it's based on anecdotes and memories, uh, conversations with family members and those who knew her. Yeah, because the family worked with you on this, didn't they? They did, yes, indeed, very early. Um, they were in Ireland, they came over from England for uh, Cathy's anniversary, which is in December, and they came home, home uh, to Cork a couple of years back, and I was at that uh, ceremony, and we struck up a conversation, and I asked for their permission for me to develop up the script. I had begun the script a few years ago, but hit a brick wall with it. And then once I got that permission, um, that was lovely, and her grandniece, Siobhan Gordon, uh, leaves with me then and with family members and I sent back and forth different drafts of the script as we went along and so that was it and then we got I got it into rehearsal about a year ago and of course and everything you know, had to pause then so it's the story of Catty the legend who she was running an eating house the She Bean off Corn Market Street and no licence and constantly before the courts and serving alcohol without it it's just such a great story who play, and who who's playing Catty Barry who's the cast uh, Marie O'Donovan is playing Cathy Barry, who, who's uh, phenomenal in the role, I have to say, and a very hard-working actor. She's been working non-stop, really, even through lockdown. And um, then there's an ensemble with Judy Donovan, uh, 
and a little woman, and then I have two men, uh, Jimmy Brocky, who's also the composer of the music for the piece, and Pierce O'Donoghue. So I have a lovely small team who plays several characters. In relation to Cathy, though, I think it's important that um, we celebrate the spirit of her, but she was very representative too, I believe, of the spirit of Cork. Mm. And there was there's a you know, a part of it that's kind of rebellious and ahead of her time. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and that's what attracted me to her. And she attracted all walks of life into her life, didn't she? Yes, and that that's what's wonderful about her. She didn't really make any, you know, distinction between the poor or the wealthy or the pauper. No, they used to say that she could be yeah. up before a judge who was going to fine her for not having a licence, having been drinking in the pub by the she being the night before kind of thing. Absolutely. And the thing is, that's all very well documented because that material I was able to research and source the actual, uh, you know, court reports and the wow. obviously whatever media was covering it at the time. And some of that is hilarious because she was obviously a born entertainer and a raconteur and a very beautiful woman. So and apparently she sang uh, very well as, uh, as well, you know, so there's lots about her that um it's just fit for the stage, really. It was a story that needed to... It needs to get told because people don't know enough about her. Um, there was a whole generation like me and younger than me who didn't, who don't really know what it was or what she stood yeah. for. We're so you know, lucky so. to have you to keep these memories alive and to get them on the boards of a theatre and thank you for that. So opens tonight, runs until, I believe, uh, October, October 2nd, curtained up at, at 8. Um, tickets available... At the arts together, I suppose, itself or online yes. or what? Uh, online is probably safest and best for everyone for the Cork Arts Theatre. You can walk in as well. It is it is very sold over tonight and tomorrow night and very heavy this week. Next week there's availability. And um, thank you so much, Neil, for... Uh, and the, is, do they have a particular web address because they don't have in front of me? Is it corkartstheatre.something mm-hmm. or other? Yes, www.corkartstheatre.com. Okay, okay. So people should get their tickets, as you say, tonight and tomorrow night. That's a good indicator, both booked out, but across the weekend and next week as well. Can't wait to go. Any chance we could give a couple of tickets away maybe for next week as well? I'd be delighted. And all you have to do really is get clear our email there sure. to text me or do and I'll, I'll I'll make sure that. Okay, that. so that's what I'm going to do. Maybe Friday's program will give away some tickets for um, Caddy Barry, the Queen of the Cold K at the Arts Theatre, starts tonight at 8 o'clock. Well done, Marianne. Congratulations. Thank you so Thank much. You. Can't wait to see it myself. So the CorkArtsTheatre.com to book tickets. Go along. You will not be let down. She is an incredible director. Our lines will stay open at 1-850-104-106. Text 0868-104-106. Have a good day. We'll pick it up in the morning. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.